Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly podcast look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. I'm your host, Darren Mooney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew Quinn. How are you, Andrew? I'm very good. I'm very good, Darren. How are you? I am fantastic because we are talking about a new movie and we have two spectacular guests joining us for this discussion. Let me wish a happy new year to you, Mr. Graham Day. How are you? Uh, it's very much a sequel, Darren. I've been living in a hole for the last couple of months and I don't see a future. 2021 going fantastic for Graham, <laughs> as we can tell. All right, then. And to follow on from that, we have the wonderful Deirdre D. Malumbi. How are you, D? How is your 2021 going? Well, we're we're not even a week in, so I, I, I am not Yeah, I'm not super. I don't want to say pessimistic. I'm trying to be more realistic, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens, guys. That's that. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, there's been more bean discourse than I would have expected six days into 2021. Oh, bean? Will admit. Be- is this Bean Dad? Bean Dad. Bean Dad and Mr. Bean. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, I'm kind of just hoping that Sean Bean doesn't do anything in the next week. That's just all I'm hoping for at the moment. Mm. Um, but do we, yes. Do we have a house position on Bean Dad? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, like an been... awful human being. <laughs> yeah. well, okay, all right. All right. <laughs> oh, no. Kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew going straight for the Grand Torino podcast <laughs> position. Um, maybe Clint Eastwood has a point after all. Um, kids these days have too many beans. Is Don't the point people to the Grand Torino podcast. Stop that. <laughs> all right. All right. Yes, we are discussing a movie that is most definitely not Grand Torino. We are discussing Pixar's Soul, which after a tumultuous release schedule, like most movies have had a very tumultuous release schedule, uh, was finally released on Disney Plus streaming around the world on Christmas Day. It entered the 250 one day afterwards because we are not monsters. We decided to wait until after New Year in order to organize a podcast to talk about it. Um, and so um, we asked Graham, we asked Dee, and myself and Andrew are here to discuss Pixar's Soul. So before we jump in there, quick question. Was Soul anybody's Christmas movie here? Um, it was not mine. I, I I don't think I knew about it until you <laughs> and then I guess like a few other people told me. Um, I I heard them talking about it on a podcast. Ooh, this is interesting actually because I because I know because again this is the thing that we talk about in the podcast where Andrew is not quite as wired in to put it delicately in terms of film coverage as I am. Yeah, so it's, it, it, it's very intentional, Darren. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, no, it's quite I'm, conscious. I'm, I'm playing, the world uh, is garbage fire right now, Darren. I'm, I'm, playing, yeah. I'm playing the role of, of you know, a, a, um, a, a newcomer to, to, to film and you have to explain it to me so that I can decide whether it's going to be spared or not. Um, it's, yeah, yeah that's, that's the whole premise of the podcast but no i want to actually discuss this because one of the big arguments about like obviously a lot of terrible things happening in the world and what's happening in film is arguably not even in the top 10 top you know 100 top 1 million terrible things happening in the world or top but 250 the mass- <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you thank you D. um but in terms of like the the move towards streaming and the move towards digital i keep on top of this because this is my job and, and it's a g's job and it's also graham's job i'm kind of curious andrew you mentioned there like not hearing about soul until i told you about it or until you heard about it on a podcast so had this almost completely passed you by as like a christmas release on no Disney it, it had it hadn't this. passed me by because like i haven't seen like a bus or, um, <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that but that's normally how like i i i would know about these things but um yeah, no, I've 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 been 
almost literally living in a cave. Wow, that sounds so uh, uh, weird. Yeah. Sounds almost peaceful. Yeah. Zen like. Yeah. Um, but what about yours? What about Dee and what about Graham then? Did you either of you guys watch this? Was it your Christmas movie? Um, well, I, being a movie reviewer, um, I actually got a, I got like a preview screening. So I saw it before Christmas. Um, and yeah, I didn't rewatch it. Um, yeah, no, I didn't really feel like rewatching on Christmas day. We, we watch, we watch, we watch Bridget Jones diary. So, which was great. Actually, I hadn't seen it in years and giving it a rewatch. Yeah, it's great. Has it aged well? Um, I think it, yeah I think it's aged fine yeah because I mean like all the like you know kind of sexist parts in it like are blatantly sexist as opposed to how people are realizing it is now so no I think it's it's aged very well and you can kind of really appreciate like Renee Zellweger's performance in it and it's nice to be like oh now she has an Oscar good for her it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, good for her did you watch just the first one or the entire trilogy oh no just the first one and I think the second okay. one's quite rubbish the third I remember doing ridiculously well in Ireland. Yes, Wasn't it yeah. the highest grossing in the box office that year was released? Like it beat Finding Dory. Yeah. <laughs> so mad. Ireland loved it. It's in, it's one of those inexplicable things like Ireland's love of the Simpsons movie. And um, Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia too. Yes, Ireland also loves the two Mamma Mia yeah. movies. We have a very particular film taste over here yeah, in Ireland. Really weird. Um, and what about yourself, Graham? Uh, Did you watch it for Christmas? No, uh, no, um, I was the same. As- I am asking about Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> oh, to be clear. Uh, no, it's, been a long, it's been a long time since I've read Bridget Jones's diary. Um, oh. No, I actually was like D. I got it a few days was it uh, before Christmas and watched it. Uh, unlike D, I did watch it two other times afterwards. Once with my sister, um, and then the, th- the same day, my parents were watching it a little bit later on. Watched it. Watched it just like the background of them and then um i watched it again for this so oh four three and a half three and a half because i wasn't properly paying attention um my parents were watching it the real question is is bridget jones a new year's movie i think it definitely is (laughs) like because it's you know it's a diary right yeah and you start on January 1st. That's exactly. how diaries work. Yeah. And and they lead all the way to December 31st. But does anyone like, really think, use all their yeah. diary? Does anyone ever really use all their diary? I don't. I didn't. Um, no, I, I always want to. I'm I was yeah. so far so so good. Oh. Kind of, like, um, yeah, but we're only a few days into the year. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, but it, it it's by, by January fifteenth. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll have stopped filling. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and it's worth singling out just to bring us back to Seoul very briefly because that is the subject of the podcast <laughs> that we're normally taking part in today. Uh, don't worry, we'll have lots of tangents later on. Seoul is notable. It is the it is a new movie. It's directed by Pete Docter, who is obviously one of the great. He's known as one of the Pixar brain trust, uh, but he's directed a number of other movies, most of which are featured on the 250. So he mm. directed, for example, Monster Inc. Um, he directed Up. He directed Inside Out. And Seoul is in some ways seen as being a continuation of that. It's a movie that arguably belongs in that tradition of Pixar movies. In in terms of being a movie that is perhaps a bit weightier, a bit heavier than, say, some of the studio's other outputs. Like, for example, Graham pointed to Finding Dory, for example. Uh, but even earlier in the year, they released um, Onward, uh, which did not make the 250. And the idea is that those movies are kind of like largely fun ones, whereas Soul is a serious and prestigious one. And you can tell that in large part because Soul was pushed back to December. And it also premiered in a number of film festivals, including, say, the London International Film Festival, which yeah. is held online, for example. Uh, I think 
think it went to Venice as well. And I kind of toured the circuit that way. So it's kind of an interesting film. Um, I want to actually just, I know none of us are old enough that we have children. I'm actually kind of curious about this in terms of talking about Soul. Like, is Soul a children's movie? Do we think that, like, it's it's clearly an animated movie from Pixar. But I'm kind of curious to get a read in terms of, like, the intended audience watching Soul. Because, you know, not to talk too much about what the movie's about, but it deals with very serious existential questions. It perhaps broaches topics relating to, like, the meaning of life or the purpose of existence. Um, it deals with themes that could be considered religious or existential in nature. Um, do we consider, like, is Soul a family movie? Is Soul a movie for kids? Is Soul a movie for adults? Who is the kind of target market for Soul, do we think? Um, just out of curiosity. Just want to get a sense of that before we jump in. Adults? So D or Frank? I think it's adults and then very small children because very small children will be taken in by all the colors and then the adults will have a lot to talk about afterwards. I don't think if you're in between them, it works as well because I don't know if kids who like, you know, maybe 10 would be interested in it as much because, you know, there might be prettier films in their opinion and I know they might not get the heady ideas and then I, I don't know, late teens as well. I'm not sure. So I think it's it's two sides of the spectrum for me. I suppose there there's maybe a danger at some age that they would say, "Oh no, that's babyish," where where it's not like at all, <laughs> yeah. where like they're in between, kind of like getting it. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a really great tweet I read actually, which I kind of loved about like the dueling Christmas movies because obviously Soul was the movie that was released on Christmas Day on Disney Plus. If you're in the US, uh, Wonder Woman 1984 was released on HBO Max, mm. and somebody pointed out the kind of absurdity of the world that we live in, where the movie that was nominally for adults was the one about Wonder Woman and Captain Kirk chasing a magic stone by you know from the Mandalorian across the globe, um, and the movie that was ostensibly aimed at kids was an existential crisis about the meaning <laughs> of life and the uh, nature of you know, like existence and and permanence and the idea of finding your place in the world um but what about yourself d what do you think in terms of like the, the target audience for soul is like one of the big there's been a lot of debate about who it's for is it for adults is it for kids what do you think d i think it is more adult oriented yeah and to be honest that was and i'll get into it a bit more later but yeah i i had a few issues with this movie if i'm honest and i thought that part of it was that it was kind of overreaching and too adult themed like i'd imagine a lot of kids would kind of I don't know, they wouldn't be able to engage with it. They wouldn't really get it. Um, I mean, I saw, I know that obviously like Facebook comments isn't the perfect, you know, resource <laughs> to quote here, but I did see a few kind of mothers commenting that they and their kids were getting bored watching it, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, even though, oh, again, can't say because of the spoilers, but it gets yeah. into its story very kind of quickly, which mm. I thought was interesting and kind of different to what had been like implied by the trailers and stuff. But yeah, it's it's certainly, I think, the most mature of probably anything that Pixar has done before. And it, it's kind of interesting to see if that's kind of the direction that they want to be going in. But I thought it was almost a bit overreaching and that it was that it didn't quite hit the target at least for me when it comes to a family or audience like a movie that every asian generation could watch and get something out of it wasn't that for me yeah so like something like say up for example which pairs this meditation mm -hmm. on mortality with oh by the way there's a cute little kid and there's an ostrich bird and there's a dog that talks maybe um, I'm not sure how much I can say without spoiling up, you know, that sort of stuff or inside out where it's like, hey, we're trapped inside a kid's head, but there's lots of funny shapes and a talking elephant. Now, the talking elephant may face existential despair and eventually disappear into nothingness, but he is adorable and anthropomorphic and he's there for the kids, right? If he um, cries, like, they'll be sweet. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's it, literally. Um, 
yeah and it's kind of interesting what Dee mentioned there in terms of like Facebook comments and them not being a barometer either because I've talked to parents as well and again this is something that I probably should say for the spoiler zone but like there's there are certain shifts that happen in the movie and to be clear this is a movie that can be spoiled I would argue in that it goes even if you've seen the trailer the movie goes in very different directions than the trailer seems to indicate I think Andrew especially if you haven't even seen the trailer (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm fairly sure Andrew can guess what we're referring to, the element of the plot that was in no way hinted at in the trailers for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it is worth noting that, like, something happens about a third of the way into the movie in a very conventional three-act structure sort of yeah. way. And I've talked to parents, and they've been like, the moment that that thing happens, my kids perked up and started paying attention to it. Yeah. And then when that thing stopped happening, they kind of drifted off and went back to looking at their phones and their iPads, which I, I find kind of interesting as well. But we'll probably talk about that in terms of, of the spoiler zone as well. Is there anything else you want to talk about just broadly uh, without spoilers about the movie before we kind of jump into the three questions? That's actually where, I, initial uh, that's where I actually got worried. That ter- the, the, uh, when that thing happens in the first third, that's when I started to get worried. <laughs> I was like, oh no, oh no, you're getting so, you're so interesting. And then that happened and I was like, oh crap. Okay. And then, but before before we talk about that, Greg, yes. just general general overall impressions about Soul. Like, how do we feel about it? Like, is it you know, is it an instant classic? Is it something that you love? Was it one of your favorite movies of last year? Is it one of your favorite Pixar movies? Is it a movie that you can see yourself going back to in years to come? That sort of stuff. Not to ask heavy, profound, existential questions of a heavy, profound film. Yeah. Well, uh, y- yes, no, all of the above. <laughs> all right. Uh, it's made me regret scoring things because I feel like having watched it more and more, I see what I imagine other people have seen are the cracks in it, and it is hard to rewatch it. The first time is really fun, and that, and it's quite special in my opinion. But then, uh. I do start to see, I don't think it is a film that's rewatchable, which is weird to say, um, because I, I still really enjoy it. Having seen it three and a half times. <laughs> yeah, because I've seen it three and a half times. <laughs> now, to be fair, I, I always watch a film when I come here. I watch it again. I watch a film again when I'm here to have a fresh perspective. But I did watch it like at least twice of my own volition. <laughs> once was with my, uh, once was for the press screening, um, and the second time was uh, I got to watch it with my sister. It was kind of our Christmas movie, but we didn't watch it on Christmas Day. And yeah, it's um, it, it was just something to kind of bond with her over. And it was a very interesting watch. Even though Did I think it work she, well in that context? Was it a good family film? Oh, it was. Uh, my parents thought it was okay. And my sister... Yeah, I think my, my sister was also on the fence. She was like, she liked it. But I don't think, like, my, my, my family aren't like me. They aren't, like, packed into cinema. They aren't, like, they ca- don't gobble up cinema left, right, and center. They're, they're casual. They have a lot of films. Like, my parents have watched loads of films over the years. But they're still very casual film. Uh, they're still probably that casual film-going audience. And so, I don't, I think, th- there's a really bad way of saying this. Right? No, it, where they're, I, th- they're... I worried that they didn't get some of the topics and themes that maybe I did. And I wonder, casual audiences aren't looking for those things. And I don't well, know. This, that... is, this is back to the who is this for yeah. question. So you think I, it might I, be I suppose, too and I don't know if it's for casual audiences in that sense. I don't know. I, 
I don't know. Is that a See, bit dismissive? I know. That, that's why I'm that trying desperately be, yeah. to figure out a, a phrasing. <laughs> a, way to, a way to say this. It's, a, it's kind of like Ugh. casually dismissive thing in a way Wait, that doesn't sound don't, casually I dismissive. That, I know. I know. Awful. I know. I'm, I'm kidding. I know. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm sorry. Let's pile on him. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's not get Graham cancelled, Andrew, please. <laughs> um, but... Um, and that's it's actually interesting that Graham mentions watching it with the family because I did I watched it with my family over Christmas as well I think we watched it a couple of days after Christmas um, in unique circumstances uh, as everybody did this this kind of winter but in particularly unique circumstances in my household uh, because we did we had a COVID case um, and so somebody oh. was isolating in their own room oh it's grand nobody else got infected which which is great well that's what happens when you have two doctors uh, in the family um, we somehow managed to make that work um, but like my my mother came out of it and she had one very particular note about the ending of it. Um, and it's the exact same note I had coming out about the ending of it. Um, and by the way, in case people are wondering why Darren doesn't cry at movies, it's because of that note that Darren came out of this movie about the ending with. I'll probably talk about that in a moment as well. But I think that they liked it. They didn't love it in the same way that they connected with like Wally, um, where like even randomly, my mother will just randomly go, Wally uh, in conversation for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> we're, we're fairly sure it's not a neurological condition. Um, but no, like that sort of stuff. And, you know, less than up or less than even kind of inside out, um, which they, they loved, well, very much apart from, you know, there were some issues screening inside out for this my is, family for Christmas. This is something you get from your mother, Darren. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you have it in common with her because you are a robot that she built. Wow. Clearly, um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> that's why and you I don't, don't I, cry. Yeah. Also, because I cry sweets, um, <laughs> and I've learned, like, in this age, we're very conscious about like diabetes. I'm very conscious about not crying in public. Um, but um, what about yourself, D? In terms of like your general assessment of or your general kind of feeling towards it, do you agree with Graham? Do you disagree with Graham? What's your big takeaway in in general terms? Um. Yeah, to be honest, I was underwhelmed seeing this film and I've seen it twice because I also rewatched it yesterday for the purposes of this podcast. Um, yeah, I suppose. And it's interesting because you guys have mentioned you've kind of listed a lot of the Pixar films there. And I think that that's part of the issue is that Pixar have set such a ridiculously high standard for themselves. It's like, how are they going to surpass it every time? And And for me, like, they hadn't like I really enjoyed Onward which was out earlier this year I probably slightly preferred it to this to be honest because I found Onward to be a lot of fun and also yes. being the eldest of four younger siblings I absolutely adored that <laughs> ending because I was like it's me it's me um, <laughs> I finally see myself represented on the screen in this giant blue, blue orc yeah this giant blue elf creature um, but I mean like I, and I mean like you just look at the 250 and how many are in there like you've got Co Coco, Wally, yeah. the Toy Story trilogy, Up, Inside Out. Like I even, I'm a huge fan of Finding Nemo. Like I loved that when I was young. And um, it's funny because I was talking to my fiance about this the other day and he was saying about Soul, kind of similarly to me, we just found like it was kind of overreaching and trying to be too deep. And there was just, there was a connection that wasn't happening there. But he was like, remember when Pixar used to just do movies about fish that got lost? <laughs> and I was like, maybe they do need to get back to their grassroots. <laughs> Um, so so yeah that kind of be my general feeling towards it and like there are certain Pixar movies like for example Ratatouille comes to mind and Inside Out where I've loved them more and appreciated them more with subsequent watches whereas with Soul having watched it twice now like I felt 
the exact same kind of disconnect to it the second time as the first time. It's a movie that possibly I'll revisit in a few years time and feel differently about it. But for now, I could kind of take or leave it. Yeah. Uh, what about yourself, Andrew, actually, as somebody who kind of came to it blind, completely blind? What was that like? Um, I I was pleased enough. Like, I'd, I'd, I, 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 I'm not sure kind of where it lies for me in the um pantheon of um pixar movies um but i mean i i think i think it might be up there with 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 some i mean i found it very funny i i i did find it touching i found myself um crying watching it i did have problems with it but though the, the, those were kind of rel- relatively uh minor i think I don't know how whelmed I was. Whether I was <laughs> I love that underwhelmed word. Love or, that word. or overwhelmed or, or like perfe- or appropriately whelmed. Le- whelmed. Yeah. Yeah, perfectly yeah. whelmed. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's um, it's difficult to say because the the yeah I I I don't I don't find myself I guess kind of raving about it. I think if somebody asked, I would say I enjoyed it a lot. Um, but yeah, that I, I I don't kind of see myself kind of going out of my way to kind of proselytize for it or anything. Yeah, it's a very weird situation because I think it like I ranked my uh, because of course I'm a nerd who likes numbers. There is a character in this movie that I related to far more than I should have, and I'm pretty sure everyone here can guess who that is. Um, but I did you know I kind of did my end of year <laughs> rankings. Yeah, well, no, Andrew the, got it. Yeah, the, yeah, the. <laughs> The, that's the kind of a problem I had with this movie, um, and I guess we'll 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 talk oh, about I, that I, I in have approximately forty five minutes once we're in the. I have a worrying idea of who it is. is. Yeah, but um, no, like I did my end of year rankings, and I think Soul came. I think Soul came about like eleventh or kind of fifteenth or somewhere around there, which is a very good showing for you know an animated movie, particularly like a, a, a late entry. And it was like, yeah, but but like you know, Up was in my top three, or Inside Out was number one, and it's like you put them, you compare them side by side, and it it almost seems disappointing or underwhelming, like by comparison. Right. Which I guess kind of gets that the idea that Dee mentioned, which is perhaps that we've been spoiled by Pixar over. The years um where it's like yeah if, if it were another studio we like if it if it, if it were illumination dreamworks or, or, yeah uh, um, even dreamworks have still been knocking it out of the park whenever they do something like i have they the only dreamworks films on the list though are the how to train your dragon movie yeah but first one. you know just because they're not there doesn't mean the kung fu kung fu panda trilogy isn't fantastic has its own theme park now in china <laughs> oh i want to go to that yeah <laughs> i'm serious I, I, I tear up at the kung fu panda films they, no, they the, are, the first are. one's the first one's really good. And the so first are the other is... two. They all have okay. great villains. They go outside the norm, and you know what? It's nice rooting for a kind of underdog like him, even though he becomes basically like a god by the end of it. I, I think you mean that. under panda like him. No, I don't. No, no, no puns. Mm-mm. Okay, all right then. And then to segue us neatly to the spore zone, three questions to get us started. So Graham, to kick us off here, yes. Do you think that Soul is one of the best 250 movies ever made? God, um, get your little abacus out there and do your little counting. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So I definitely know who your character was then. Now, um, no, 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 no. Imagine if we no. went into the spoiler zone without answering these three questions. I know, it'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> hunting us down the whole time. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I don't think it it's is. It's Darren time. <laughs> um, 
All right. And D, what about yourself? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, such a casual no, no. Well, it's funny because I was I, I was kind of scanning the list immediately before this because I wanted to see what other Pixar titles were there. And there, there are so many, yeah, um, which I was quite surprised at. Uh, mm. But I mean, there are plenty of titles, Pixar or non-Pixar, that shouldn't be there. But... Um, <laughs> But what you mean the help isn't one of the best 250 movies of all oh, time? Oh god, where is that? Is that still there? That's embarrassing. I think it's about 239, oh, yeah. yeah. The Terminator dropped oh. off, but the help no. is still there. Has Jaws come back? Because I know Jaws keeps no. coming in and out, which is very frustrating. <laughs> no, Jaws is gone, unfortunately. Jaws is sunk. Terrible. John Wick 2 still there? Robocop no, is also is obviously not on it. Although it was on that one time. Yeah, but nobody has any proof of apart from this podcast that we recorded about that time. It was number one, but only for a split second. But yeah, sorry, Dee, we got you off there. Um, no, no, I think that was it. Just no. No, no. <laughs> Just resignation, really. Um, and Andrew, what about yourself? Like, I, I guess not, but I, I'd, I'd probably, bid, honestly, I'd, I'd prefer this to uh coco um yeah. even though coco was was um like incredible kind of um sort of uh, colorful uh spectacle i don't know i found this more affecting um somehow um uh, i mean the 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 thing about coco i guess was there was a lot to do with kind of like family and memories and things and this, this this was closer to inside out in terms of being a very sort of personal um psychological journey yeah 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 very kind of philosophical so i um i enjoyed it myself i guess that's the second question but but did, did, did um i'm not sure i'm not sure if it, it if 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 you would put it in or out um kind of based on the things that are there, based on the Pixar movies that are there. Yeah, that's it. Like, again, I have a similar sort of feeling. There's, there's a lot of Pixar on there, and I'm not sure that this is in the top tier of the Pixar. Uh, but like Andrew, if I had to choose between this and Coco, I would probably go with this. Um, I think because I'm a heartless bastard, Graham. <laughs> Graham, um, I'm also and... pro Coco, just saying no. <laughs> just, so, just so we're drawing our battle lines in the sand. Um, well, no, I, th- I think my, my issue Strictly with Coco was Coco. Is it because there's a character in this that's basically you? Is that what? <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Um, I was more going to make the point that Coco is a much more conventionally structured Disney movie down to having a villain who performs a song about how evil they are. Um, and it's like it is, it's very much a formulaic and conventional movie. This is not to its credit. Um, there's yeah. like Again, we talked about how this is a movie you can spoil because it takes certain twists that I don't think anybody looking at the trailer or the no. concept would have said that's the second act i imagine this movie having mm. uh, which i do admire and we'll talk maybe about that in the spoiler zone but yeah no probably not i, I don't think it's, it's one of the top 250 movies ever made um but i'm, you know, I'm glad that's on the list i'm glad we get to talk about it so graham would it be in your own personal 250 uh no um there, there there is a lot of things that i love about this um but no um not not this time, I think. Uh, and I, I I think it's mainly because I've watched it several times. And I don't know if it aged well. Like, I don't know if I enjoyed myself every time I watched it. It, it was released like 12 days ago, And Graham. I watched it three I and a half times. If you average <laughs> that out, that's not good. You're looking back at its old tweets. And... <laughs> yeah. I did. I, yeah, no, I'm feeling uh, embarrassed. Like, it's can I delete my review I, I, of I, it? No, um, I, it's not that. I'm it's kidding, that, it's, it's, it's that... Um, 
it's just sometimes it's just interesting how you how you how your opinion can change just because you just keep, you will watch a film and that and you just kind of new ideas and new thoughts just kind of go through your head as you're watching it again and noticing new things and kind of seeing things that you didn't see before and um not all of it was positive that i that i realized and so yeah it's not it's not my top uh 250 my my own personal one yeah. I, I should be clear here. I was joking, by the way, at the fact that like twenty tw- okay, but the twenty twenty and twenty twenty one time works very differently. Oh, it really does. So ten ten days does feel like an adequate <laughs> amount of time to properly reassess the place of like uh you know um soul in the canon. But what about yourself, Dee? Would it be on your own personal two fifty? Uh, no, but I would like <laughs> to emphasize, by the way, that I did like this movie. I thought it was just fine. You know, whelmed, I suppose, was a good word. <laughs> I'm going to use that also. Andrew. It's such a Hit good the word. Bar. Such yeah. a good word. Yeah. Perfectly adequate. Um, it's like I went to the Dorothea Williams concert and I was perfectly okay with it. Ooh. Nobody seemed to magically disappear or transform themselves on stage. It was just <laughs> No fine. one was in the zone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Andrew, what about yourself? Would it be in your own personal 250? It, 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 I, I think it might. Um it it feels like kind of um, my sort of thing. It looks great. There's some there's yeah. some fantastic, um, and it, it it feels great. I think at moments there's some there's some there's some very nice kind of um, uh, moments where the movie just kind of luxuriates in certain spaces that I enjoy. Um, it sounds great. Yeah. Um, it 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 has a fantastic kind of um, score. It's it's um, it's Trent Reznor and and Atticus Ross, yeah. but it's a whole load it's, of other actually, kind of musicians within that. Yeah, um, there's John but uh, John Batiste as well does yes. the jazz music, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his hands, his fingers are actually yeah, modeled, they uh, animated his fingers. Yeah, which is which is beautiful as well. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Andrew, cut you off. no. So I like I've been enjoying that and it kind of. Um, well, there there are kind of problems that I that I that I have with it, but 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 those are for I think for me anyway, kind of problems where maybe I feel a bit challenged by it, and I want to kind of like think a little bit about it, where I reacted a bit a bit, a bit against it, but maybe maybe like that's not such a bad thing to feel I guess provoked yeah. by certain things yeah. that you might that's disagree with. Yeah. No, I mean, listeners know that I, I appear on another uh, weekly movie podcast as well. And I remember we did a New Year's episode and we're like, we're going to take it easy. We're going to discuss one movie. And I was like, I said, so do you want to do talk about Soul? And my co-host was like, nah, I feel like I probably need to sit with Soul and let it digest a bit. Let's talk about Wonder Woman 1984 for two hours instead. And I was like, yeah. sure, let's do that. Um, but it, like, I can kind of see um, Soul being a movie that you need to sit with. Uh, for myself, probably not. Um, I really, really, really liked it. Um, it's not top tier Pixar for me. It's not up there with say Inside Out or Up or uh, Wall-E. Um, in terms of like the great, important kind of Pixar movies that I think of when I think of the studio. Um, and then final question, Graham: mm-hmm. If listeners have not watched um, Soul yet, which is available on Disney Plus around the world, it could be streamed to a laptop, to a phone, to a local television, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and do so? Yes, yes, I do. Because uh, you should at least experience it. And what about yourself, Dee? Yeah, absolutely. I think that people should watch it. It is a good movie. It is enjoyable. Um, And it has had, you know, quite a big, profound, you know, impact on a lot of people. And I think that for that reason, 
it's worth checking out because it has touched a lot of people. Maybe I'm just soulless. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is actually worth pointing out as well in terms of that. Like, this is the only big American new entry on the list since Hamilton, which which Dee joined us to talk about earlier in the year. Um, and it's worth noting that a lot of the kind of media commentary around the nominally big films of the year, so say Tenet or Wonder Woman, has been let's say charge, let's put it diplomatically, has been very intense (laughs) and aggressive and perhaps more focused on venting anger towards those movies than engaging Mm. with them. And I think it's interesting that Soul has managed to largely avoid that in that it is a movie where the general response to it is at least kind of like warmth, if not kind of rapture like we might expect, but at least this is good. I enjoyed seeing this. This is nice. Or I, I enjoyed sitting down and leaving the world for 90 minutes and kind of immersing myself in this. As opposed to you know and i would argue like the reason that you know tenant and the reason that Wonder Woman 1984 are getting the blowback that they are is because there may be you know not movies that people want right now but there are also maybe movies that don't work as well watching at home or watching in your own private space whereas i think maybe soul kind of does um so i think it's it, i think that's worth saying i think what, what d said is like there are a lot of people for whom soul worked very 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 well and i think that like People were angry before they were forced to stay at home. Though. Like the movie started with like, I was, I was just listening to, um, was it Tony Cantwell go on for like, he was supposed to be talking about cats and he just goes on for like 45 minutes about what's it called? Um, the, the, is it the last of the sky, the return, the rise of Skywalker. Remember we had to so see angry those about films it. in the same day. <laughs> uh, yeah, Darren, I Darren saw cats like nine times, right? One <laughs> <laughs> one for each of my lives. I feel like I ate. Um, yeah, I think as as uh, Graham pointed out, I saw Cats and Rise of Skywalker in the same day, yeah. and I almost gave up on cinema as an art. That was hilarious. Um, that, thanks, Graham. Well, um, I was there as well. I know the deadness in Darren's eyes. And then, what about yourself, Andrew? Um, would you recommend that listeners pause the podcast and stream Soul? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would. It's quite funny. It's quite touching. It's um, it's very um, colorful. Looks great. Sounds great. Um, I think I've said it already, but I'll say it again. Um, I I found a lot of it very funny. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 a really enjoyable movie, but it, it can it can kind of make you think as well. Um, yeah, so to, I'd, yeah, I'd I'd recommend people check it out. Um, and I'd agree with that. I found it incredibly sweet, incredibly moving. And it had some stuff that I thought was very, very thoughtful in there as well. Again, like the, the really kind of make you think, but a very, that thing that Pixar does where they take a theme that should be obvious and should be straightforward and kind of state it in a way that is really clear. Like, for example, Inside Out being about how it's okay for children to be sad sometimes or up about how it's okay for you to literally and physically and metaphorically move on from a past trauma without forgetting or without losing or without kind of without abandoning the person who you are perhaps moving on from which was also again a very mature very sweet very thoughtful theme as well and this does some similar stuff around like you know the idea of kind of passion and like purpose and and the meaning of life and obsession and kind of things that excite and interest people and it does in a very thoughtful very considerate way i found it very very sweet and very engaging so yes that is four straight recommendations uh, for the film i've just reminded as well how it kind of does that thing of um that's very kind of hackneyed i guess and i felt myself sort of reacting against it 
in the early parts of the movie because it 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 felt like kind of like this is kind of the lesson that you're taught by all of these kinds of movies yeah. and and then it did it, it it gave a kind of a um a counterpoint to that which i really enjoyed a more um, nuanced take which yeah really yeah um and it's actually interesting d singled out onward onward did something very similar it's, it's something pixar do very often where onward sets up an idea of what its characters want and what the film is going to give you and then at the end it puts a twist on it which is at once like a subversion of the basic idea and that it's not literally what you thought the movie was about, but also a perfect spin because actually, yes, that was what the movie was all about and consistently about as well. And I think, yeah, I think Soul is, is really well constructed in that way as well. With that in mind, then we'll segue neatly into the spoiler zone. So, D, what is Soul about for you? Oh, I always find this question tricky because <laughs> I immediately think I I literally want to describe the synopsis well. It's about this, you know, jazz enthusiast, and he's a teacher, and his name is Joe, and he's voiced by Jamie Fox, and through an accident, his soul gets separated from his body, and then he meets a. I think they're called disembodied souls. Is that's right? Name 22, um, who agrees to help him, you know, get back to Earth and get back to his normal life. And then, like, some crazy stuff happens involving a cat who... Well, we're in the spoiler zone. We can say that he ends up yeah. in the body of a cat <laughs> Yeah, he now. ends up in the body of a cat. <laughs> um, a cat. A cat which dies, but then comes back to life, by the way, which made no sense. Yeah. Um, um, well... Okay, we'll come back to that. I have no. I actually have. I've done research on this. We'll um, come back to that. But um, Darren has killed cats. No, Darren has not killed cats. Sorry. And they both learn from each other, and they both make it, and they go back to Earth together, and it's all lovely and nice, and it explores some, you know, some really interesting, some really nice themes about drive and destiny, and living out your dreams versus just living out your life. And it explores certain dimensions and the idea that there's this space between the physical and the spiritual that everyone can share. And it gets very kind of profound and maybe a little up its own, you know. But um, <laughs> Notions. It has notions. It has notions. <laughs> um, and it's a, be- it's a beautiful reflection on the profound impact of music on the soul. And I did really, really like that aspect of it. Um, so the name summary, is a pun as well, so I was always going to be predisposed to like it because it's yeah. it's about the human soul and it's also about soul music. I was like, yes, yeah, Darren loves wordplay. <laughs> yeah. Almost as good as the title Isle of Dogs, which is still like yeah, yes. which is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's about it's about many things and it has a lot of layers. <laughs> like an onion. Wait, sorry, that's the wrong studio. Yeah. Forget that I said that. I'm not legally allowed to mention. Oh, that how about this? It's got many layers that Joe falls through at the start of the film. Ooh. Well, again, the the it's worth actually uh, worth because we're going to talk about theme. We're going to talk about plot uh, as well. I think it is worth singling out the animation on this, which is absolutely oh. stunning. And again, because it's Pixar, we tend to take it for granted, but it is gorgeous. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like with every film, they get better and better, and you notice each time they get better and better. I don't know if you can take it for granted each time. Because I thought, but, like, Onwards was gorgeous. And then they got, came to this, which is the next it's just the next animated film they made. And it's just like, that scene where he's fallen through space and time, like he's basically a TARDIS, 
is it is beautiful. Like the first time we we get a shot of the of the great beyond is gorgeous. It, it was it wasn't really for me it wasn't so much the kind of windows screensavers and like windows <laughs> media player visualization stuff that that that, that got Wow, me take take that Pixar animation. No, like yeah, it, what as good Apparently as that was, was the hardest part to animate. Like that was the bit that they had trouble with conceptually. It was still, uh, but it was yeah, still fine. Like wa- wa- watching the light on the saxophone, um, mm. and the, the like, the, the the kind of just the texture in like even like the barbershop and mm. um, yeah, but even sweat on characters' faces yeah. as well. So like Dorothea Williams when she's playing, you can see sweat on her face, which is astounding for an animated mm. character. Again, it comes back to the hands as well. The hands were incredibly animated, like for the for the playing of every instrument. Every instrument, it looked it, it it's never looked better on a CGI character. Um, and animation on uh, on on uh, traditional um has has almost reached its peak. Like it can it still can always evolve, but like that's the best I've ever seen of a CGI character uh, in a film. Yeah, and it's kind of it's CGI that you want to look at. Yeah, it's like like the, the... as opposed to cats. <laughs> well, yeah, but but like so much CGI is kind of like it, it's re- sort of repulsive, or, or um, I guess like like it it, it, it not well, it's designed to be thing. kind of yeah verisimilitude is sort of like to create the illusion of reality or to be something that's seen quickly and not like focused on or not admired as an art form unto itself um it's just a kind of a bridging way it's a way of doing this stuff cheaply and effectively um it is worth noting actually when we talk about the design the design was heavily influenced by um ronald searle um yes the the design was influenced by ronald searle who's an an illustrator um who's famous i think for his drawings of like new york city and places like that um and apparently pixar are huge fans um they have uh the ronald searle tribute blog is maintained um by uh, matt jones who's a pixar story artist as well um so apparently yep all wonderfully wonderfully illustrated as well apparently the most difficult part of animation aside from that sequence where joe falls through the screensaver as andrew put it um (laughs) thank you for that um were the the um the mentors or sorry not the mentors the kind of jerry figures oh jerry Um, and terry jerry and terry um (laughs) that terry sequence when he's on earth is amazing yeah well when he moves he moves in straight lines we'll probably talk about terry later on specifically i have a whole section i bet you do we we call it terry time i've terry time (laughs) set aside um but no, we like in terms of like the Jerry's and the animation, they're all obviously influenced by like Picasso and stuff like that. But they're saying like animating them in three dimensions while they move only in two. So handling things like how they turn is remarkable. And in fact, we'll include some links in the show notes. They actually had wire sculptures um, that they did wire sculptures because the idea is that they're all in one line. They're all drawn in with a single stroke is the idea of it. Um, so the idea is that it's a single piece of metal that you bend and then they cast light through it. So you can see the silhouette and the silhouette looks like um, kind of like a jerry, which is remarkable as well. And they're all New Zealand, New Zealanders. Yeah. yeah um, that, that's is... also lends to the animation stuff. Al- is Alice Braga a New Zealander? Oh, no, I... wait, no. Not or Richard Iowa. No, Richard uh, Iowa. Damn it. There goes my theory. I feel like only one of them is, is a New Zealander. Is it Terry? Um, it's Terry. It's, Terry. Uh, it's, it's definitely Terry. Um, but no, I like, I mean, uh, and again, it, it is worth noting actually just very quickly that this is obviously Pixar's first movie with an African-American lead as well, um, which was a, 
Um, listeners can probably hear Andrew is enjoying. Uh, I, no, just got given, I just got given a really, really nice chicken taco. Um, okay, is there enough for the classroom? And if Soul has taught us nothing, it's like you should enjoy that. You should yes. savor that. Yeah, yes. should. I I mean, savor the whole me. crunchy mess. And it, it wasn't handed to me by a cat either. It was... um, or by Pizza Rat. Um, <laughs> oh, that yeah. was funny. That, his cameo it, was great. Who makes a little cameo in it. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say, actually, it's worth noting, this is the first Pixar film with an African-American lead, actually, which is interesting. Um, because obviously, um, you know, they did Coco with a uh, Mexican-American lead, and this time they've done an African-American one. And in fact, actually, the animators were quite nervous um, about that for obvious reasons, because there's a long history in American animation of caricaturing uh, African-Americans. And you don't even have to look that far. You can just go straight to, like, Dumbo, or even, like, classic Disney cartoons and see that in effect there. So they were very careful when they're animating um, Joe in order to avoid kind of caricature and stereotypes. And, like, Pete Doctors talked about this, how, like, he would have, like... He remembered when he did, remember Russell for um, Up, who is an Asian-American kid? Yeah. And he remembered being really sensitive about how he animated him. And like the, the Asian animators having to say, look, just draw what you see. Just don't exaggerate it. That's that's what you do. That's how you do it. And um, it's worth noting that when they worked on Soul, they made a point to include, um, they basically created a brain trust within the studio um, in terms of managing every aspect of the film as it related to Joe. Um, notably, Kemp Powers was brought in as a co-director on the film and a co-screenwriter. Uh, Kemp Powers is best known. He's He wrote five episodes, or sorry, he was script editor for five episodes of the first season of Discovery. Uh, but he's also best known as a playwright um, and he co-wrote, or sorry, he wrote One Night in Miami and also adapted the screenplay for the new Regina King movie, which will be streaming on Amazon from the Friday after this is released and it's probably going to be a Best Picture nominee. Uh, but he basically co-directed it and they say that like, um, he brought in people like, say, Questlove, like Davy Diggs, for example, who obviously has a small role in the movie and also raps over the closing credits mm-hmm. as well, um, providing a nice kind of callback to Hamilton as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and even things like, say, Quincy Jones was in there. Not Quincy Jones. Uh, yeah, Quincy Jones, I think, was also yeah, part yeah. of it as well. Did, um, um, the N- NAACP um, kind of consulted on it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, the, 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 there were, there were, I think there was not one but two um uh barbershops where they 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 kind of um um had you know went to kind of like do their research you know where it's not kind of um you know some person who who's who's never been in that place kind of yeah trying to um yeah and doctors talked about how like even small things came from like Kemp Powers involvement so things like the barbershop as like the emotional centerpiece of the movie yeah. came yeah. from Kemp Powers and for obvious historical reasons the African American community things like the small aside like Joe sticking out his hand and trying to catch a taxi and saying this would be hard even if I wasn't in a hospital gown or even like uh, even the line um, I want you to can you put lotion on me uh, was apparently something that came from Powers as well um, which is kind of kind of interesting as well so it's kind of it is interesting in that respect it is worth noting actually and i don't think there's much to talk about here but it's just worth flagging um people have noticed that there's a weird trend in american animation when it comes to african-american characters where they tend to spend their movies um in the form of talking animals in particular and obviously tiana from princess and the frog the first african-american disney princess is an example of this but also the will smith character from the recent spies in disguise movie which has a surprisingly similar premise um and listeners if you haven't um if you haven't watched the trailer for spies in disguise i recommend you pause the podcast and do it now because the trailer the trailer needs to be experienced blind 
but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Aww. It looks like it looks like it's Will Smith playing James Bond. And then when you get to one minute into the animated trailer, it's revealed that at some point early in the movie, he's turned into a pigeon. I thought it was that he was body socked with Tom Holland's character. I've never seen no, the film. No, Tom, Ho- Tom Holland oh, is a I- nerd. Um, oh, yeah. sorry. D, yeah. D, oh, you've no, seen I've, it, I've seen it. So I, it's actually quite enjoyable. It's on Disney Plus, by the way, if you yeah. want to check it out. Um, <laughs> no, I, I actually find it to be a lot of fun. But yeah, the idea is his character is like a spy but then he's framed for a crime so he has to like disguise himself so he goes to Tom Holland's character who's like the geeky scientist who is working in the like spy company and is told to give him some way to disappear so Tom Holland turns him into a pigeon because pigeons obviously it's as if you disappeared because you know you're so in the background and everyone's ignoring you. Did he have pigeons you. lying around? No he gives no, he him a formula. Into- he gets yeah. a formula. And, yeah, his, he and his avian DNA activates. Graham, I feel like if you're going to do that level of nitpicking, I'm not sure the movie will hold up to your I don't think it will. Um, <laughs> I but, thought it was a um, body swap thing. I thought like that's how like Tom Holland was going to learn to be a spy because he accidentally swapped bodies with the most capable spy in the in the thing. Rob how did Schneider. he miss the pigeon? I've never watched the film. <laughs> I never watched the trailer or the film. Okay, well, the trailer is a joy. I remember watching the trailer and being like, "What the hell is this?" It was like what it was like watching this movie in miniature because, like, again, and this is a nice segue to talking back about Soul, which is like at about the one act mark, yeah. it looks like it's going to be like something like Inside Out. It looks like you're going to spend a lot of time in the great before with Joe and and kind of with Twenty Two, and you're going to be learning the rules of it, including things like, say, the Lost Souls, for example, or things like the gurus who travel around in a giant sailboat listening to Bob Dylan. And then, then it turns into a movie in which Joe's soul inhabits a cat. Yeah, um, it's a Freaky Friday, it's, hooray! It's a really strange twist. And it's it, like, that's what I mentioned earlier when I said, like, this movie for kids. Because I know several parents and I asked them at the movie. And they're like, kids were kind of bored for the first 20 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Then he got put in the cat. And it was like, they were suddenly interested in the yeah, movie my again. My sister, who's, who's actually 20, got a little bit more interested that point. She was like, ah, he's turned into a cat. <laughs> and I yeah. just got a little bit sad when she said that. That's so um, interesting that? that for you guys, like that was the point at which like it really grabbed your attention. Because for me, and I watched it with my fiance the first time, it was kind of the point where we were like, what? No, 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 I'm not saying it grabbed my attention. And that we exact both same love cats. You. And we love cats. <laughs> but, but I'm saying that it grabbed my attention the same way you just did there. I got worried because I was like, oh, don't do this. You had such amazing concepts and themes. Now you're turning into a Freaky Friday film. I got worried. Yeah, it struck me as kind of, I don't know, a weird like cartoonish move or something. Which I think was like probably, yeah, like you were saying, Darren, like for the kids or something. Mm. And I just didn't really like that. Like it, it, like for me, that that whole middle section like stuck out like a sore thumb to me because the first act and the third act are getting into these really kind of profound conversations. And then you've got like a cat running around with Jamie Foxx's voice and and Tina Fey is an African-American man all of a sudden. It's just so bizarre to me. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get into and as, it. As somebody pointed out, like the fact that like Tina Fey found herself embroiled in a blackface scandal yeah. earlier this year involving cultural Dirty Rock. Cultural appropriation. Uh, no, blackface isn't cultural appropriation. Blackface is just no, blackface. No, I mean, she took his um, body. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I don't That's think we're I mean. ready to deal with, I don't think we're ready to deal with that particular debate on this podcast. No, come on, let's go for it. <laughs> 
Um, but no, I, I, yeah, that is kind of fascinating. And it's weird that we've had so many body swap movies lately, because obviously Wonder Woman 1984 has a similar premise where like Chris Pine oh, is swapped with, with, a, with a guy credited only as Handsome Man. Uh, which I kind of love. Um, it's like, handsome man, but he's replaced by Chris Pine, which feels like calling him handsome man is just an insult after that. You're not saying um, he's handsome? And then also freaky. You're saying he's not handsome? Uh, well, I mean, if if anybody was swapped with Chris Pine, would they be handsome? Like, it's all relative, Graham. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm I mean, sure he's handsome. A certain in line, a at a certain angle? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd like to think. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, this isn't an insult because this is actually the, the actor's career. He's a lifetime yeah. movie star. He's he's a lifetime hunk. He's a lifetime answer to Chris Pine, pretty much. But then he gets replaced by Chris Pine. But yeah, so no, I mean, and then there's obviously Freaky as well, which has something similar with Catherine Newton and with uh, Vince Vaughn. So it's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah. But I mean, Have you, has anyone seen that? Yeah, it's very it's, good. Yeah, it's okay. I was, okay. I was a bit disappointed because it got really, really good reviews coming out of the States. And... I don't know. See, Blumhouse, again, have just set such a bar so high. <laughs> Much like Pixar. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like it was like the neglected little sibling of Happy Death Day. Because I love Happy Death yeah. Day. Yeah, it yeah. is the same director. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's good fun. Though. Christopher Landon, Ooh. I think. Yeah, um, yeah it's, very worth, uh, it's worth talking very briefly then about the development of Soul and how it kind of came about, um, which I kind of love because it's, it's one of those great origin stories where you're like, this is a very weird story to share in terms of inspiring your kind of life-inspiring movie. But um, originally, the concept for the movie, Joe was not going to be in it. Um, it was going to be solely focused on the character who became 22. The whole premise was really going to be about a soul that did not want to get sent to Earth. Uh, and it was going to be 90 minutes of, you know, Earth is gross and stinky. Why would I ever go there? And then she has a realization and she goes. Um, and basically, they realized that the, actually they needed somebody to come in and make an argument. So the cast came in. Well, no, that's that's where Joe came oh, okay. Um And like Pete Doctors talked about how he had two primary influences in writing the script for um, Soul, one of which is very sweet and one of which is, um, let's just say, distinct. Um, the first one that is very sweet is that it started with his son. Uh, when the instant his son was born, he realized that his son already had a personality from the way that he like grabbed at his finger, the way that he behaved when he kind of cried, when he didn't cry. He had the realization that this child had appeared, but this child was already, you know, brash or loud or quiet, that he was these aspects of his personality were there from the beginning. And so Pete Doctor said, hey, where do those come from? And that was kind of the basis of the movie. And actually, Andrew will appreciate this. The credits. Did you notice that the uh, Pixar Babies section? Um, yes, actually, I did. I did. It was yeah. very short. It was the the um, well because onward came out. It was a re- re- recent U seminar graduates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is a very clever little joke That's as well. Adorable. And the second story that Pete Doctor tells about where Soul came from, um, and this is the one that kind of gets to the big theme of the movie, is winning the Oscar for Inside Out back in 2015. And it was his second Oscar because he'd won from Up, and he had this feeling afterwards of, is that it? Like, I, I, this movie made $800 million worldwide. I won an Oscar for Best Animated Picture. Is that really all that this is meant to be? Like, this is something I poured five years of my life into. You know how you What's solve that about? problem? Don't give him a third one. Ungrateful <laughs> <laughs> bastard. I would say... Um, it, should be, it should go to Wolf Walkers anyway. I'm just it should go to Wolf. It, sh- it, it probably should. Um, the thing is, because I, I, I can't remember... I, I was interviewing someone from Pixar... And it was the fact that they find that there's a lot of stress being the next Pixar film. 
that's the whoever it was i can't remember who it was i i might have been um andrew stanton or that or someone who was doing did you do finding dory um or something one of the previous directors of a recent up oh sorry a recent pixar film stated that whenever um the next pixar film is in line the guys that came before go good luck and it, it must be a similar kind of feeling of just it just feels like okay yeah this has been a great achievement and we achieved this and this but now it's just going back to the drawing board and starting again and working from the ground up all over again and i wonder is that is that also part of the foundation of of how he felt because it seems like a lot of them feel like that well, I mean, it's very similar. It's that scene that you get in the movie where after he's played that one amazing gig with Dorothy yeah. Williams, Joe comes out and says, what now? You know, mm. and the answer is we come back and do it again yeah, tomorrow the night. Finding, the finding Nemo, Joe. Um, sorry, you're going to have to explain that one. Yeah, we can hear you. I, oh, because, you know, know, it's a fish. It's a fish. In the ocean. Because he says the fish yes, in the yeah, ocean. Yeah. Ah, finding okay. Nemo. Okay. Speaking oh. of that um, oh. jazz club scene, that was actually something that I kind of find my, find myself relating to quite personally. I'm actually from New York myself, so I loved oh. all the New York set scenes in this. I thought that they were just stunning. In fact, I almost kind of wish we spent more time in New York, but then we would have missed out on time in the great before. And that mm. was like an incredible, incredible design as well. Um, but I actually went to a like underground jazz club in New York once before. And it is absolutely amazing, like watching these musicians just riff and play this incredible incredible music like it's it's kind of unlike anything you've ever heard before and then afterwards everyone just goes upstairs and goes home and you as an audience member are kind of like but we just saw this amazing thing why are we not talking about this amazing thing and then there's no there's no bar or anything to kind of like relax afterwards no everyone just kind of goes home it's so weird and then and then they have their day job and then they do that in the evening and yeah, mm. it's just it, there is kind of a, this weird kind of anticlimax to it. And I, I thought mm. that it was amazing that it kind of captured that. Obviously, yeah. I've only like done this once, but I I think that is kind of the way it seems to be with those kind of nights. So there um, you go. It is worth noting, actually, they well, first of all, the, the New Yorkness of it is, is really amazing and worth singling out because there's a lot of really great stuff in there from Pizza Rat to the jokes about the New York Knicks. Um, it's very <laughs> that was much- so mean. But it, it's very much a New York movie, which is kind of odd because you don't think of Pixar movies as being kind of specific geographically in that way, or at least I don't. Um, you I, know mean, I mean, Inside Out's is very specifically uh, San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, San Francisco. Uh, yeah. There's Brave. Yeah, but not necessarily in a very welcoming kind of way. No, <laughs> very yeah, celebratory. Yeah, but they, they, I think they come to terms with broccoli on pizza. <laughs> they do, they do, eventually. That's yeah. the big arc. Um, God, it is worth it is worth mentioning actually how Joe became a jazz musician because originally um, they had a number of ideas for what he was going to be they originally thought he might be cool to make him a scientist but they're like there was no way to make that interesting Um, sorry scientists Um, what about Beaker (laughs) and have have him blow stuff up and then they said maybe an actor but they thought that maybe that was too self involved and they landed on jazz well I'm glad they didn't make it an actor (laughs) so I like about like this movie is that it feels like movie people didn't make it you know <laughs> where, where so many movies that we watch and talk about yeah are about like how you know making movies and how that's the most important yeah. thing you can I mean, do in the world even um, the ones that are about life are really about making movies like like a lot of the nolan ones it, it feels like kind of like subtextually they're about yeah. like 
his how career. great it is to make movies. Wow, yeah, is really going after Nolan this year. Um, no, I'm not going after him. I, 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 I just find him. <laughs> no, like as a, as a, as a guy who's written a book about Nolan, that's a perfectly accurate summary of Nolan's filmmaking career, and I think that's great. Um, you know, work with what you know, and this is what he knows. So he finds a way to make his time traveling reverse movie with Denzel Washington's son about how hey, he learned how the rewind button works, and it's like, yep, that works. If that makes it relatable to you, go with it. Um, but no, what what I will say actually, and it, it's worth noting then that like he became a jazz musician. Actually, the and then when he became a jazz musician, the argument basically, that was what they said, well, he has to be black. Because I think it was Kemp Powers actually said, like, jazz is black improvisational music, which is a line that actually makes yeah, it into in the, the movie film. as well. His dad says it. Um, his dad says it. And, like, that was kind of... I think I think we spoke about this when I, when I, when we covered yeah. La La Land. And I noticed a controversial view, but um, jazz isn't an exclusively... Uh, 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 black genre, like that, that, that. I, I mean, like. Well, it originated in Paris as, and stuff like that, but I think you're, 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 you're kind of did. You're, it, I mean, it would, it would be a different thing if we were saying, oh, it's, uh, um, if you were, if you were looking back to the kind of, uh, um, like we don't have any kind of jazz heritage, but there, but, the, but, the, but that there, 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 um. There was a lot of involvement of of um, of Jewish musicians, um, kind of. I, I, I suppose it depends how how early you want to go back, but like the 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 the, the likes of Gershwin and that kind of like you you kind of look back and um, and want to put them there as part of the story too. Um, not 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 to discount the the point about it making sense that your jazz musician is. is um, um, is black, but yeah, I I, I don't know. The, like the I I heard this kind of said about La La Land in a sort of dismissive derogatory way. Mm. I think when we talked about not not to reopen yeah. the La La Land debate, which is Andrew, great. I've like on our last very defensive no. of La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that D has only been on two oh, episodes. No. I'm like it's D doesn't know. It, D doesn't know what we did to it. How did how did it come up in Hamilton? Oh wait. <laughs> But um, no, I am. I, I, again, I am also very, very fond of La La Land. But just kind of to, to, <laughs> what? Sorry, what? no. I just remember every time we talk about La La Land, I remember what happened. Yeah, um, and that is the reason why we do not have any further podcasts. Um, not the COVID nineteen thing because we don't want another pylon like happened to La La. Land. La poor. Oh, uh, oh, poor man. But um, no, to, to bring it back, though, this is the kind of thing that I really, really loved about. It. And this is the thing that I think Andrew alluded to and I think Dee alluded to as well in terms of the movie's kind of like core moral or message or theme, which is this idea that like Joe has a spark for jazz or a passion for jazz, uh, but it doesn't necessarily you know relate to being the meaning or the purpose of his life. In fact, there's the, the moment where the Jerry played by uh, Richard um, says, you know, oh, you mentors mm-hmm. with your purposes, your passions and your meaning of life. So basic. And I kind of love that, like, soul basically makes the argument that your passion does not define your life, that your like your meaning of life is for you to determine. But it, it's not exclusively the pursuit of something that you want or something that brings you joy or something that satisfies you. Um, it's just something that enriches your life. And the moment at which it, it it can go too far, like with the lost souls, for example, who wander through the zone because they've been consumed by their passions or they've been consumed by their obsessions. 
I've, I've, they, like, it, w- it was that part that I kind of um, found, found like a, a, a problem with. It, w- it was, it was that kind of and uh, Terry, because the whole idea was, <laughs> was that it, that this person who's uh, a hedge fund manager is, um, is lost because they've, they've. Um, They've kind become of become obsessed um, with it too, to the detriment of everything else. Taken yeah. over, obsessed. Yes, but but the jazz musician. Yeah, he um, hasn't become a lost soul. Kind of, that, that, yeah, yeah. Like like it, it doesn't just matter that you're interested in something. <laughs> I have to be also, interested you have to be in very of Tetris, specific. Apparently. Um, <laughs> what? Right. No, like, yeah, I think the movie kind it, of more makes the point that Joe is in danger. But yeah, it did yeah. pivot away from yeah. that, I guess. I think the movie makes the point that like Joe's obsession is detrimental. Like that's the thing that I really liked about it is that like, and Andrew kind of pointed this out where it's like it looks like it's going to be a movie about Joe like living his life stream and finally getting to do what he wants to do and finding the meaning and the purpose of his existence because we know how this story goes. It's very similar to again because we're in the spoiler zone for all movies when you watch Onward. So much of Onward is driven by the fact that we are going to reunite with our dad. We're going to fi- I'm finally going to get to meet the dad who died when I was too young to remember him. I'm finally going to get that moment of having a dad that I never really had. And then in the final moments of kind of onward, it pivots to, but wait, my older brother actually raised me in that absence. My journey here is not to discover the dad that I never had. It's to realize that my brother basically raised me and filled that gap and that I did have a paternal influence in my life. It just was my older brother in that role. And I like that like soul does something similar where it's like, it looks like it's going to be, well, Joe's not going to let anything stop him from living his dream and we should cheer him on. You know, he was meant to play like that moment where he says like, if I played jazz with Dorothea Williams, I could die a happy man. And his student says, well, today's your lucky day. And then he dies. Yeah, and then he dies. But like the way that it's structured is that you think that, hey, maybe he's going to get to play the concert and then he'll die. And that'll be fantastic because that'll be the central point of the movie. It's like he got that one good day and that is everything that he needed. That was his kind of like purpose on Earth fulfilled. And I like the movie actually goes, no, no, that's not the point at all. The point is that like Joe needs to realize that his monomaniacal fixation on playing (laughs) jazz has, no, no, but seriously, has basically shut him off from the people around him. He never talks to his barber about anything but jazz he never connects he never well lots of people do Uh, graham and and like in terms of like the african-american community it's 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 vitally important like the barbershop is a vitally important like think of luke cage the first season of luke cage to pick an example graham how much of that revolves around the barbershop i know okay but yeah basically the the barbershop is an important kind of social function it's a place where people go to meet and to talk um and so like it serves that function but joe hasn't been talking about anybody else he's just been talking about himself or his mother um, and the, the arguments that they have over his desire, no matter what, to go and play jazz when it's actually like, no, she wants to connect with him and to talk to him about what his father's experience was actually like rather than what he's constructed in his head. And I like that the movie does that. I like the movie kind of like subverts that in a way and going, well, hey, like passion is good. But if you try and reduce or boil down the essence of a human existence to something as simple as, well, I was meant to play jazz or I was meant to do X, Y, and Z, what you'll actually end up doing is drowning out what living is and what's actually important about, about life and about the world. Yeah, you, you, won't, you won't see the, the little um, sycamore seeds. I, I, 
or you won't have a pension or health insurance. <laughs> you know, all of the beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. You'll never stop to eat pizza. Um, um, I mean, it's, well, no. it's funny you compare it to Onward because for me watching it, it reminded me much more of Joy's journey in Inside Out because of her obsession. Like she mm. has to make Riley happy. She has, and she's so obsessed with it. And it's kind of, I think that Pixar movies are quite, you know, beautiful in that way, in that they kind of, show how human we are in that like when we get hooked on an idea we find it very very difficult to change our minds we are absolutely driven to no we have to do this thing and this thing is the right thing to do and it's very hard for us to change our minds um unfortunately we don't get to go on a big you know disney <laughs> journey to get there it would be great but we can live through these movies right um but yeah mm. i found i found joe very relatable to joy in that way um, yeah. which I uh, and it's it's yeah. worth actually singling out that like one of the things I found interesting about like Pixar's world is that they tend to be bureaucratic in nature like even spiritual or existential realms so like the afterlife in Coco for example where it's like going through customs or like here where you have the Jerry's managing it like some sort of like feel-good group therapy session and Terry working as an accountant or even say you know Inside Out where like Riley's brain is a console with various buttons in it that are pushed as people drink coffee and wear suits wandering around the space that they share I kind of find it interesting that like Pixar you mentioned that kind of like that that way they have of kind of dealing with like neurosis pretty much i mm. kind of love that i love that like even here you have that sense of like the afterlife not necessarily being this big existential spiritual thing but instead being a place that has like videos that give you tutorials going into it or managers that do things like make quiet coyote gestures which i kind of love as well <laughs> um but yeah no i, I find that fa- like relating sorry to, to what d was saying there about like that that neurosis that people have and Pixar's like wonderful knack for kind of like holding in on it i find that an interesting extension of it as well and the the the, the thing i liked about the movie is just the point about how it's life isn't kind of about um your while it, while 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 it's very important i guess to have some sort of a a purpose, especially if it's some sort of unconditional purpose, um, that li- life is also about um, living. You know that it, that it, that it's all of the um, things that happen in your life and all of the the the, the kind of rich tapestry. Um, and and I, I con- um, contrasting that, I guess, with the, with the um, with twenty two's um, perspective. Um, on life and it, it, it being like like she did did or even describing and I feel this all the time the whole the whole sensation of being um, embodied. Um, <laughs> I can feel myself is, feeling is, myself. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the, the kind of bendy meat yeah. stick. <laughs> well, where Terry's like, like I'll put where, you back in your meat sack. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. But and and the and but. It, but of her sort of um, cynicism as well. Like the, there's a line that I love, where there there's they're they're in the great before, and there's a big musical note, and it gets knocked yeah. over <laughs> and yeah. squashes a bunch some, of tiny little souls. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it says, "Oh no, um, you can't uh, crush um, <laughs> souls here. That's what life is for." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's worth noting actually Tina Fey wrote a number of 22's lines uh, which is which that is, is quite fair nice She's, well. she um, felt a lot like Liz Lemon um, and I, I like she, sorry she has a real Bugs Bunny yes um, 
I was going to mention that the animation, the, like the way that she's animated with the buck teeth. And what I love about her is, and again, this is the thing where we kind of like you take Pixar animation for granted, but the way in which like her teeth develop when she needs them. Mm. It's like when she smiles, she has a full row of teeth. But whenever she's just hanging out, she has like two buck tooths, like again, like a toddler or an infant. But even things like the ability to randomly sprout legs when she's talking about popping and locking and windmilling and solving my feuds through rap. Um, that sort of stuff like the way in which her body can kind of bend and shape I absolutely adore and even like the way that Joe's Joe's like spectral form has a hat and glasses <laughs> which I love the idea that they're so quintessentially part of or who like, he is like a little trilby <laughs> yeah and the fact that he could take it off as well because it falls off several times and he just picks it up and puts it back on which I adore I love it, did, it, it doesn't like it, it it couldn't be a thing where where he drops it and then it just appears in his head again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like you see him put it on. Be more like you things see work like that. <laughs> yeah, like the Earth Pass, for example. Yeah. Uh, but I, like again, that's the stuff that I really like. And again, this is probably the thing where we talk about like this being a movie for adults as much as it's a movie, or maybe more than it's a movie for kids. I mean, yes because... and no. Sorry, okay. sorry. Go to, no, go, go, go for it. No, no. You go it. But it, like it just made me think of the kind of team parkification of um that you see in a lot a lot a lot a lot of kind of um kids movies like i was watching spirited away the other day but in in um in coco and in this as well it, it very much kind of feels like people walking around in in a in a theme park for 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 parts of it when when it gets when it gets sort of magical when they're in the the um hall of everything for example it, yeah, even it, it, feels, yeah. it feels like an area in like the Magic Kingdom or Epcot yeah. or where, wherever you call us. Um, and Graham will, Graham will appreciate this. The, the Great Before has several shout outs to various other Pixar movies and that like the shapes that like seem to morph and render in the background are all lifted from other Pixar movies. Like there's a shape in the background that is like the dinosaur from The Good Dinosaur yeah. or the coral reef from uh, Nemo yeah. is kind of re-rendered and used in that space as well. Um, like you have that kind of those animations at work there in the background. Um, and like it's funny that Andrew mentioned the theme parkification there because uh, I was reading about the production of the emperor's new groove and like i don't know if anybody remembers the whole production saga behind that yeah but but sting wrote a bunch of songs for it and apparently he threatened to pull the songs away from the movie when he discovered that the end of the movie was going to be the construction of a theme park in the amazon and he was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I want my music love for. But I kind of like, I love that, like, even back through those days, you have this idea of theme parkification in animation where it's like, how do we end the movie? What's the end of the character's journey? Well, he builds a theme park, you know, as an Aztec or a Mesopotamian kind of like in Central or South America. Uh, but yeah, no, I kind of, I I do though. I, as an adult, I find myself relating to that idea of, you know, what is a purpose and, and like, what do I do? Because I think Andrew's joked about this before where I've like, there have been moments where I've been in conversation with Andrew where I'm like, I'm very tired, Andrew. I have to write this review. I have to watch this movie. I have to do this other podcast. And Andrew's like, you realize that you volunteer for all this, Yeah, right? you volunteer for every single one of these. You have no one to blame yeah. but yourself. Yeah, that that's it, Graham. That's exactly the line yeah, there. Literally. Um, yeah. And I, I remind... <laughs> you do it because you love it. That's, that's, <laughs> pretty, that's, that's and, why and, I'm and, so tired. To, um, to stop I'm your so stop. tired, Andrew. Stop doing it then. 
to stop yourself from contemplating the otherwise meaninglessness of your existence. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Busy, you know? Yeah, no, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. But no, because like, that's the thing that kind of like, so really got me kind of thinking about, because again, like as you know, I'm getting old, Andrew, we're all getting old. We're all reaching a certain nope. point in our lives. Nope. Um, I'm going to stay this edge. I'm not, I'm not going to speak for Graham or Dee, but I will presume <laughs> to speak for myself and Andrew in this case. We're getting on in years and we're kind of like, you know, maybe the best years of our lives are behind us. No, it's not quite that Good bad. God. But, but what I was going to say was like, I reached well, the point where it's like. Well, a year before 2020, you know. <laughs> it was, was probably. Yeah, like, yeah that is true for everybody. <laughs> yeah. yeah, But like, I, I find myself realizing that, you know, there's a point where I won't be able to do all this writing or reviewing or kind of podcasting or film coveraging at some point in the future where like that'll give up and I'll want to go and have like a normal life where I want to settle down and I'll still do a little bit of it. You know, maybe the 250 will go to releasing once a month yeah. or kind of like, go you know, six, yeah. six yeah. times a year or something like that or maybe twice a year or something like that but like I kind of that aspect of soul kind of really spoke to me the the acknowledgement of the fact that like while you have passion and while you might obsess and might fixate over something as you know maybe I have over movies you also accept that you know there has to be a life there as well uh, which I found very touching and very sweet which is the idea that life is the moments in between that little lovely montage that he has which includes like you know big and small moments playing piano with his father in an old folks home standing with his mother in the sea possibly after um, you know sort of like saying goodbye to the father together even just riding the train um, and those kind of those moments make up life and I thought that was a really sweet really mature really considered aspect of the film that I I really genuinely loved. Um, I thought that like, you know, that was the kind of moment where it's like, this is like, this is almost as good as like Wally or, or Up or Inside Out. You know, it's just, if only there weren't other problems with this movie, it would be up. I, I, I found, um, if I could speak on my thoughts of it, is the fact that um, I actually found there was a part when he's talking to his mom, when 22 is talking to his mom, and he says, um, if I were to die today, you know, I don't feel like I have ever accomplished anything. And that part... Movie weirdly, for kids. Yeah, I know. Movie for- that weirdly spoke to me and how I, as opposed to constantly feel. And, Jesus. yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's... it's but a you're power, never going to diagram. No, no. I'm You'll never go old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. As most people know, I am a Highlander. Uh, <laughs> and it's just, you know, you're constantly... We're in an industry in that where you're constantly trying to stay relevant and, you know, you're writing and hoping that you're, I suppose, I live off of people's vindications and I'm getting way too deep. I'm getting way into my own thought process right now. And just that kind of movie, it's when he spoke those lines and you see that he has a clear passion for something. That's why I I, like I didn't find this film funny, particularly, particularly funny. Uh, I thought Tina Fey was again playing Liz Lemon and she's playing her well and I love Liz Lemon so that's great uh, the Graham Norton playing Graham Norton was weird and I every time I saw him that's all I could think of but when Joe was speaking to people when Joe was actually having moments I never saw Jamie Foxx as Jamie Foxx I saw Joe as an actual character and it, my two favourite scenes in this entire film are the barbershop because it felt the most real um, it's the most beautiful scene in the film, which is, in my opinion, saying a lot because they kind of took away from the uh, great beyond, you know, the, the white hole um, because it sounds like a bug zapper. And I actually thought that took away from the majesty of it. Uh, well, no, the, the great beyond, they made a point not to show what happened in the great beyond because they didn't want to. Have you heard uh, a bug zapper in- and they even make a joke about it being a bug zapper. 
Okay, but they didn't want to confirm any particular set of religious beliefs or okay. deny any religious set of religious beliefs. So you, it can be anything you can believe, want it to be. Right. It can be oblivion, it can be Christian heaven, it can be Buddhist reincarnation. Um, but the idea is that it, it's just whatever exists yeah. beyond. And I actually thought that was very artful, the way that they did that. Um, I, I quite liked it, at least. And it's just those type of scenes kind of... They were beautiful and they did, you know, conceptually gorgeous and that. But it was the it was that particular scene, uh, you know, within the barbershop, you know, 22 talking about her ideologies and that of all she's learned from all her many, 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 many mentors. And uh, and then the scene with her with his mother that just kind of really spoke to me and was quite at it was, you know, that scene in particular was a little bit devastating. And I suppose that's why why it is up so high for me. Um, I also find the reason why I've, like, I've been listening to everyone saying, you know, why they think it's less than other films like Up and Wally and all that. And I feel it's because it's less emotionally manipulative than all those films. All of those films have a, have an emotional tagline to pull at you. That's like, all right, here's your, with, um, Up, you have the first 10 minutes. With, with, um, Onward, you have the last 10 minutes. Uh, and they're, and they're, here you have the montage. I'd argue the montage. I didn't find the montage. I didn't find the montage sad. I just found it. It's a beautiful montage. It was the fact that this devastating conversation he's having with his mother, a very real conversation that you could argue some people want to have with their parents who maybe don't affirm their choices and career. Um, you want to have that with your parents. So you want to have that with your significant others and you want to have that uh, just, just to say it. I found that possibly one of the most potent moments Pixar's ever had and that's why it's so high for me but yeah I agree there's a lot of things that obviously kind of take it down but that's kind of one of the reasons why it's it sticks with me so strongly for me it was the moment with Joe on the piano taking out the kind of um collection oh, of, of meaningful sort of yeah. totems that that's yeah. um 22 has collected she left pizza that was... in that very nice suit that's very bad yeah that, 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 that was the point where I actually what? cried yeah, yeah food waste right there yeah yeah exactly <laughs> food waste um, yeah 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 because i did tear up as well for that for that speech yeah there was something very i think um it, actually it took me out of it mm -hmm. because it could have been very um emotionally manipulative in the kind of good way um uh when 22 was was flying down to earth because they suddenly started worrying, like, is she, where is she going? Is she, is she, oh, um, yeah. oh, no. Because, like, like, like the, 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 it seemed like she, she was going to kind of China. North, north, northwest or southwest China, like, no. the, the, like Xinjiang or, Tibet no. or somewhere. And I know, like, like the. The, the the girl is going to be born in 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 what they're calling is, kind of is, is China she, is or Asia girl? century. Is I guess we don't know. No, because that's we the point. Know. Souls are yeah. they. Like Terry is a they. They never use genders for Jerry, Terry, or any right. of the souls. And twenty two is always only called twenty two. And I love that Tina Fey line about like <laughs> I just use this voice because it annoys people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um. But um, yeah, that took me out of it. I was kind of thinking, kind of, oh, the, the like, 
is this is this child going to be kind of persecuted? Um, <laughs> um, is she going to end up one of the people visible in the background of the Mulan that was shot in that oh, region? Oh, oh no. right. Oh no. Um, Darren, I need to ask you because I I feel like you probably know. Uh-oh. Was that put in the movie for Chinese audiences? I do oh. not know. I do not know. I do not know. I mean, just statistically, proportionally, she's most likely to be born in China. Right. Um, um, I guess I think, that makes sense. So there's a guy. There's a guy who, who, who wants there to be a billion um, Americans. Uh, there's like Matthew Iglesias from Vox is 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 arguing for that currently. <laughs> I find it daffy. Who has? Um, yeah, Matthew but, Iglesias has some very interesting takes. Yeah, um, d- d- I mean he has he, some interesting he, ideas, but like he, he's very he, he he's very kind of unapologetic about um like oh I I just want to like you know say interesting things. I don't want to <laughs> say something boring. Like he, he, he's he's very kind of you know clear. So he'll about, say something like, like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm. But okay, so we have Graham anyway, Gra- Graham teared up a little bit, Andrew teared yeah. up a little bit. Um, I think I can D- guess what D's going to say. Well, D, did you tear up no. a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I thought that there were some really like touching and thought-provoking concepts in this movie. I'd agree with you, by the way, Graham, in that like I didn't find it very funny at all. No, I didn't <laughs> I know Andrew find it funny. found it really funny. I, I, yeah. I, I think I might have laughed like twice in the movie. Mm. The Nick's joke... And then the cat on the little stairs. <laughs> that was really good. Um, yeah. Just going now. <laughs> that was yeah. hilarious. Having no idea um, what happened. Yeah, um, just so confused. But just sitting there, cat-like. Um, yeah, I like that bit. But I don't know. I think that, like I like I previously mentioned, I think that that second act and the fact that it was so cartoonish, it really took me out of it. So even though you had you know 22 like figuring out all this stuff and having all of these really like emotional experiences and joe was Mm. kind of kind of seeing them through there he was still i don't know there was there was a coldness to joe that Mm. i i really didn't like and i thought that he was a big old moan Oh, is this kind of well? I mean, the wah, the wambulance. Would you have called the wambulance for him? I yeah, I I I really was finding him very difficult, and I know like because uh, uh, I compared him to Joy previously, who I'd also say like she's quite irritating because she's like yeah. so optimistic, and she she does become quite obsessive and like quite dark. You know the way that she abandons sadness and everything, like a total bi. But um, finish but that sentence. There was no. Don't, I'm just gonna have to beep it, Graham. <laughs> I, know. I, fe- I felt like I couldn't curse in a podcast about, about a Pixar movie, <laughs> to be honest. I'm um, glad I'm glad this isn't a repeat of last summer's Lion King. Oh, <laughs> no, God. was that three years ago? Yeah, <laughs> I, I have no how idea does time how long work? ago that was. Yeah, yeah. It can't couldn't have been last summer. But I, al- I also didn't like 22 particularly much either i found her like very very cynical i was wondering if they put her through that cynicism house like three times <laughs> and if that was what was filling up her sticker card and she probably is that liz lemon character but see i haven't seen the show so oh, i would have lemon had... is literally like her yeah see i wouldn't have had that point of connection so as a result i think again there was like a disconnect there and just like i said i can't help in my head but compare it to other like disney pixar or even like other animated movies because i know that the bar is always disney pixar but there have been like loads of amazing movies this year like even like netflix's stuff like klaus and what was that one i lost oh. my body both brilliant um oh amazing and then we had wolf walkers as well this year oh so good like wolf walkers like i was tearing up in the oh, yeah. third act oh, yeah. when she's like standing up to her 
dad and everything. Oh, anyway, we're talking about <laughs> um, I just thought compared to uh, to the predecessors, the characters weren't as likable, memorable, or or I would argue as iconic or something. There wasn't something about them that I, I that I would like kind of refer back to that character. You know, comparing it to like movies in the future or do you, something. You, I do don't you, know. Could you see yourself like you, you say that quite flat in that as characters? Could you then see yourself kind of push, pushing your own personality onto Joe as he's a kind of avatar for you as your as you know the film is going on? Like some people would say, Neo was in the Matrix, and I can't believe I'm saying it, but Bella is in Twilight. <laughs> you know that kind of character, that blank slate, like that, that you could kind of. I feel I feel like like D made the point that Joe, Joe is really obnoxious and unlikable at certain points. So I, like oh, yeah. while I will happily acknowledge that I I see some of myself in Joe, I'd be hesitant to suggest that everybody else sees themselves yeah. in Joe. Yeah, um, yeah. I wouldn't say that I was trying to find like a personal connection. I was just trying to find likability, if I'm honest. <laughs> and I couldn't really um, find that. And I think as a result, like those final kind of messages felt a bit like watered down or even slightly simplistic to me. Like the fact that at the end of it all, it's just about life is worth living. I don't know. I found it, I was a bit <laughs> irritated by it, if I'm honest. I found the line that Dorothy Williams says about the ocean and the water and the fish, mm. not realizing that they're in the ocean because they're so insistent that it's water. Isn't that it? Um, I found yeah. that a much more profound message. Uh, even though I know they're interlinked, mm. but just about kind of like, I think I might've mentioned it before, but just kind of questioning like the bigger picture and being able to realize that you haven't got it always all figured out and that you're not always right. I find that message a lot for me. It was a lot deeper and different to just gotta live your life man i don't know um, so you must sorry. have hated you must have hated graham norton's character um, I, which one was graham norton i genuinely don't Moonwind. remember he was he, he Moon, was, he Moon was Wind, the, the science spinner the captain on uh, the uh bob dylan ship i can't believe i missed that both times i watched it and i was like uh, graham norton's in this movie at some point um yeah. uh but terry was the MVP of the movie. Yes, like, yes, yes, there he was. Let's, yeah, thank you, thank you, Dee. Uh, like, I think we well, need to talk about, have, we need to talk about Terry. Well, <laughs> you, but, must but, have, but, you must have found him funny, right? <laughs> well, that's Topaz from... But, um, the, Rachel House. Paul, um, yeah. yeah. Um, who's worked with uh, Taika Waititi on a number of the films. She oh, also popped brilliant. up in... She's fantastic. Amazing. Um, she also popped up in Moana as well. Um, and yeah, Terry is very much the character that Darren identified with as somebody who works on a podcast that's supposed yeah. about lists. The count is off. The count is wrong. By the way, um, a lot of like one of the interesting things about like um, Soul is that they've talked a lot about like jokes that were cut from it and jokes that were cut from it include things like the cat joke because the joke is that the cat has nine lives because Dee was pointing out the cat yeah, is dead and then it yeah. comes back. Yeah. Um, the reason that is, is because the cat has nine lives and they considered playing that over the credits at the end how the cat made it back to Earth. But they were like, actually, fine, that's just a little bit too tonally odd. So with the we'll movie just then. leave a plot hole that will irritate <laughs> a subset of the audience. Yeah. Um, and and kind of one of the other things, they had a number of other mentors that they wanted, um, you know, sort of 22 to have had over the course of kind of her time there as well. And one of the ideas was when, when Terry says the count is wrong and that hasn't happened in 100 years, that was meant to be a joke about Rasputin. Um, as Putin had apparently repeatedly screwed up the count uh, was meant to be the joke that they were building to there um, 
That might have been a bit too specific. I don't know if everyone would have gotten rescued. No, kids, only w- kids would not have gotten rescued. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Well, audience. I mean, like, we talk about, like, specific jokes. Like, the, the moment where he's running uh, down the line, which, by the way, I love that the kind of conveyor belt towards the great beyond looks like kind of a, the neck of a guitar, which kind of, like, keeps with the music yeah. theme that runs through. But oh, the moment where he's running... piano keys. Ah, oh, probably oh, also that. Probably more that. Yeah, probably more that, to be fair. Um, but like the moment where he kind of runs down, he meets the old lady and there's the Inuit woman who says, this is much, this is much nicer than the dream I had about the walrus, which apparently is an obscure joke about like Inuit mythology, uh, where there's a walrus that's kind of tied to the the myth about like death and the life beyond as well, uh, which is kind of interesting and fascinating because they, they imagine apparently it's all sea related, um, which I kind of liked. Again, something that I never would have got if I hadn't done a bunch of research for this podcast, but I kind of appreciate for being there, um, which is, is very nice as well. Um, and even like John Ratzen, John Ratzenberger, who yeah. is like the Pixar mascot. Um, Where was he? Did, there's a question. He was there, but he was also not there. He had a physical cameo. He appears in the background of a shot as an animated character. Oh. His voice never appears in the movie, which is which is interesting as well. Schrodinger's Ratzenberger. Did I? I I kind of didn't didn't like a lot of the kind of historical. Um, so you mean like I, th- I thought know, it was all very like on the nose. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was terrible. Yeah, it would like you kind of kind of. Um, expecting it to be funny and do you think it, they got it, like all they got all the like things from the estates from the family estates to sign off on no that, like muhammad no I, <laughs> <laughs> that was very mean that's not how it works graham i like, i don't think that like they had to find abraham lincoln's descendants and say are you cool yeah, with most- suggesting <laughs> that he was that he was unhappy with Mother andrew Teresa. jackson <laughs> We're not talking about Star yeah. Wars rights here, guys. Like, yeah, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. Do you see who won? Apparently, I, I saw this on. Anyone uh, can make a Mother Teresa movie. <laughs> <laughs> She's public domain now. Um, did you see the thing about uh, there was a name that popped up on one of her uh, beaten mentors? It was uh, the Irish uh, sea pirate. Run your way. Run your way. Yeah. Yeah, she and uh, the Irish sea pirate, one of her defeated uh, mentors. Yep. Well, it was her. And also you Jack Kirby. And Yep, and there's oh, a variety of them as well. Jack Kirby um, was there. Jack Kirby's up oh, there on the awesome. wall as well, the, the wall of defeated mentors. But sorry, we got distracted away from Terry time, the vitally important <laughs> kind. Now, because like, I, I, that's the thing about Terry, I think, well, first of all, Terry's remarkable in terms of animation, uh, because when Terry goes did, to Earth... Did, you, 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 you liked uh, uh, Terry D. Um, yeah. Yeah, like it, 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 since this is like the, the one of the things that you, I suppose you you enjoy the movie generally, but but if this is kind of the your shining light, like what what you what, know, if Terry had been the protagonist, I might feel very differently about this film. There is a film where Terry is the protagonist. There should be. There, there's probably a short at least. Yeah. yeah. Well, did you guys watch until the very end of the credits? Yes. Yeah, where she okay, told cool. everyone to go home, even though we're like, we are home, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's home. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what was it that you loved about? It? So if if Terry was the shining light, what was it about Terry that kind of grabbed you, Dee? She was just so funny. <laughs> she was really funny, and like she was so. Oh, I always forget what's the name of that actress. Uh, Rachel House. Yeah, I know that it's the same character she plays over and over, but she just does it so well, and that accent and that no nonsense i wish that she dropped a few f-bombs a la in hunt for the wilder people that would have made it perfection <laughs> but 
yeah she she was basically her character in hunt for the wilder people and thor ragnarok and all yeah these films Topaz. Again. She was and Topaz again she's just she's just she's a very very funny sharp actress um and that really shone through with that character even though it's just a line and a voice which i think is um quite extraordinary but yeah her obsessiveness her <laughs> ruthless determination like it's it's yeah. admirable she's yeah. kind of like I know, I know that those are also characteristics joe has so maybe i'm being a bit <laughs> hypocritical here but um but it, yeah because she like conveys so much yeah but you're rooting for her you want her to get joe because you hate joe no you don't quite want her to get joe and i mean it's kind of it's kind of nice at the end how she does look all she wants right is that the count is right that's all she wants it's such a beautiful simple dream if you think about (laughs) it and then the jerry's just organize it so that she gets that and then she's content and i think there's something kind of beautiful about that guys it's I mean, beautiful. even even the line that even the line that she has where he says you cheated Joe, which is like it's it's a moment where you're meant to go. Actually, she's right. Joe did cheat. Like Joe doesn't have a leg to stand on in this particular situation. Joe is not a moral authority here, which I thought was very very well handled. He as very well. rarely is in this film. Um, I, but I mean, I love the the kind of projection as well from from Terry, like when <laughs> when when it is like the counts off and and they're like, oh really? That's that's not good. And I was like, no, that's, I love the scene with her and Terry. And he, he, but Terry, Terry, Terry's like, easy on the hysterics. <laughs> <laughs> I love the scene with her and Jerry. You're the ones who Jerry's beefed it. I'm the one who's trying to unbeef it. Um, <laughs> where like, where Terry just, just goes to her. Oh my God, J- Terry, what's over there? What? What? And then he just like moves it. <laughs> He's like, oh, what? What are you talking about? Are they, uh, oh, hey, are hey, hey, Terry, what's up? Don't play dumb with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's that humor that feels like it's Taika Waititi having yeah. slipped in a few lines but but again like as somebody who is like who occasionally has moments of obsessiveness like that sequence where Terry realizes the count <laughs> is wrong and goes to the library of souls and begins working through every soul <laughs> alphabetically to determine which one is missing is a moment where I was like yeah I relate to that she's lucky um, he was a G yeah, well, there's a lot of Garcias in there, Graham, yeah, I'm afraid. Like, yeah. But e- even moments like the way that with Terry moves as well, where he kind of swaggers, like like even like as a line, you can mm. tell that he kind of swings or she or they swing one shoulder in front of the other as they walk. Or even like when Terry goes to the real world and moves in grids and lines, which well, I, which that, I that, adore. That's the best that's part. So cool. That's the best part. But like, again, and it's one of those wonderful visual storytelling things because it's like, well, that's the character. The character literally cannot move outside the lines. That is the character's psychology literalized through if, animation. If that packet of crisps was in a an ad for a packet of crisps, like we would be talking about it for forever. Yeah, like it, it's 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 so good. Yeah, um, like the just like visually with the um, face on it as well. Yeah, it's incredible what they do. You know. Yeah. Um, very quickly, actually, I want to talk about this because this was I mentioned the, the the objection that my mother had to it, which is the same objection that I have to it, which is I am not entirely sure that I buy the ending to the film. Ooh, actually, oh, may I <laughs> go because go for it because. You always come out with all this amazing research, and I actually read up a bit on this. Um, <laughs> and by read up, I mean I read one article so <laughs> just to one up you darren no, so no it was it was uh et Entertainment online Tonight? yep 
it was in which yeah. they discuss so you all okay it's fine you take it i was gonna no, talk no, about no, no 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 one ever does this to him okay cool because i'm really excited about this so in it they actually talk about um the alternative endings to this movie and originally joe was going to die i.e he would stay on that conveyor belt and go into yeah. the great beyond Ooh. which by the way was the ending i wanted i was like can Pixar yeah. never have the balls and just do it? I know that in Toy Story 3 probably would have been too much, but I thought... I <laughs> Oh my God, damn. <laughs> But I also, uh, I, I, I think it would have been like more fitting. But yeah. anyway, just to, to quote Pete Well, Doctor, there's a reason that everybody kind of thinks of like Up. Like when people talk about Up, they talk the sequence they talk about in Up is the sequence that involves the death of a major character. Like mm. that's it. Although I, I do agree with D that maybe like Toy Story three would have been a bit much to kill all of everybody's favorite yes. characters simultaneously. I feel but like maybe there's a happy an amazing movie. <laughs> it would have been an amazing <laughs> ending. <laughs> sorry, D. Where were we yeah, going to say there? You yeah, were saying so, to, to to quote Pete Doctor. Oh yes. So he said, I think people felt like it's cheating to let him go back. On the other hand, story wise, you can't teach this guy to enjoy life the right way and then rob him of that. So you can see how you know they were very much torn about this. But what's really interesting is that that this was only one possible ending that they discover that they were kind of discussing at the time they were also talking about a version of the ending where you actually see joe on earth having survived a year later um they also kind of had the idea that uh he wouldn't go back to his body but rather he'd end up as a repeat mentor in the U seminar so he'd go back to the great before and he'd actually revolutionize their program of mentoring there um there was also a version where joe does go to the great beyond um with a scene set there and then he goes back but again there was the problem of like designing that and religion you know that was aforementioned um and then the ending for 22 also went through a few different iterations which is really interesting they actually did board a scene that shows just a moment of her and where she was in her life but they decided this is a quote it wasn't emotional enough so you guys saying <laughs> Disney yeah. Pixar aren't emotionally manipulative is bull yeah. they want um, to make you cry yeah <laughs> so that's they, why they picked um, this particular they ending. did also they did also talk about an ending where um, Joe would be reunited with 22 I wanted would, that oh, there you go where, yeah where I wanted would, that badly where he would go on tour with Dorothea Williams and he'd end up in China and there'd be a child who would like want lessons or something and somehow he would realize that it was 22 and they said like it felt first of all it felt a little bit pat but also like secondarily it was very difficult to convey that the child was 22 um, yeah because then like, it's like does she recognize him yeah so does, it's kind of yeah does this little Chinese girl talk like Tina Fey is also I suspect possibly a deal breaker oh yeah uh, oh yeah, <laughs> well, yeah maybe, she, maybe she just has the teeth that would be an instant... Go- no, wait. That could look bad. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. That would not be... <laughs> yeah, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm out. I'm out. I'm walking out. Uh, I can imagine, yeah, that might have been a possible deal breaker when they got the storyboards back for that. Well, what other visual tells did you read? Well, like, um, Tina Fey went, like, full Mickey Rooney. And they were like, <laughs> no. no, we're thinking of going a different direction. Um, but the thing is, I did want to see, because I didn't geographically get where she was landing. Um, I was hoping so desperately that maybe it would skip 20 years and he's playing at his piano at his apartment and he gets a knock at the door and it's her or Are him it- or him. Or a, dinosaur. That would or a dinosaur. Or a dinosaur. And it's like, it's just, I, I thought that maybe, I was hoping that when the film ended, it would be a knock at the door and it's 22. He wouldn't know it's her, but she would have all of her memories because she's been in the great before for so long that's, 
you know, and I'm just reaching. But I, de- I desperately wanted a scene with those two, like, on Earth together. But I you know, know But you know what that reminds me of, Graham? Because actually, that ending would have been very, although really the ending that they ultimately went for is um, very close to another Pete Doctor movie, which is Monsters, Inc., which freezes, oh, as you remember, yeah. before you actually see Sully and Boo reunited and I think that there's something kind of nice about that because again you wouldn't have known like what age Boo was but you hear that voice of recognition and it ends yeah. on his big somewhat creepy smile um, <laughs> animation's evolved but no I was I was satisfied with the ending for 22 and that we don't quite know where she ended up I didn't get quite the anxiety Andrew did but now I kind of have it thanks for that um, but yeah I, I thought it would have been more appropriate for Joe to kind of and I know and I know he's taking all the life lessons with him but he's also you know I don't know I don't want to say he didn't deserve to live (laughs) but he did did die but But he did die exactly the count that's 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 Terry's happy ending yeah that's that's (laughs) I'm I'm on team Terry and team D here where I'm like Joe did cheat the count the mm. count was off mm. and Joe got like Joe got a really great day. Joe got a fantastic final day where he realized, you know, he got to connect with his barber. He got to have a one to one with his mother. He got to play that concert that he always wanted to play. But he also got the realization coming at the other end of it that when you do that, it just becomes a job. He like got to I be a feel- cat as well. Yeah. <laughs> he did also get to be a cat. Not many people which, can I mean, say that. Yeah. Like I, I feel like an. You know, he got to do all of that, which is more than anybody else generally gets to do. Um, and I feel like it would be enough for that to be enough, basically, um, is kind of the thing. And I feel like that's... Oh, sorry. No, sorry. No, that's a bad time to interrupt you, but I did, because this isn't really going to go anywhere. But I was wondering, <laughs> how how did Joe die? Like, he fell down a manhole. Yeah, then he but he has no up... physical wounds. <laughs> yeah, he wakes up in a hospital and then, like, walks away. Is yeah, it... he was perfectly did, fine. Actually... Is that the thing? I assumed is it that, was a is... head injury of some sort, right? But he has nothing on his head. Does he twenty-two hat. not 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 get what pain is? Yes. Like may, maybe we twenty-two is running around in excruciating pain. We never saw twenty-two. Uh, and she just thinks she's hungry. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-two just didn't didn't acknowledge the pain because twenty-two has no concept of pain. That's why she was able to walk around with his body. We figured it out, guys. I love that we Graham makes code. 22 sound like the Terminator. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's coming for Dorothea Williams and she will never, ever stop. Um, all right, then. I think we're kind of reaching the end here, but is there anything else that anybody wants to discuss? Anything that we haven't discussed already? Anything jumping out at people? It can be moments, it can be themes, it can be beats, it can be elements of the movie that we haven't talked about already um, or that maybe merit uh, discussion or praise. Um, I will actually just, Andrew mentioned it before, but I will single out the soundtrack. The soundtrack is lovely. Um, Atticus Ross and Trent Reznor, um, who have been doing fantastic work. I think they also did the soundtrack for Mank earlier this year. They did, they yeah. did the soundtrack for Watchmen uh, mm-hmm. last year. And then the jazz soundtrack from uh, Jean-Baptiste is, is also um, outstanding and amazing and the two of them work together uh, beautifully but is there anything else anybody else wants to single out anything that we haven't discussed already just the whole soundscape of the film is fantastic it's just beautiful sounds I like the kind of concept of jazzing as well and of the the, the kind of philosophy of jazzing we're all all jazzing right now if life gives you a trumpet play jazz (laughs) 
because uh, <laughs> um, a trumpet doesn't really go with anything well it works well. it works really well like again that's the thing it works really well as a metaphor like again i get the idea of like you could maybe do science and chemistry and the idea of chemistry being the combination of atoms in interesting ways that lead to unpredictable results um but i get like jazz works better as a metaphor for life because it's improvisational music like your life is not planned. Nothing happens in the way that you anticipated happening. Your life is a constant stream of inputs and, and decisions and choices you make and choices other people make that affect your flow. And I actually, again, it's it's not the most subtle, nuanced or original metaphor for like you in existence because La La Land exists. Uh, yes, Andrew, I'm giving it a shout out. Um, virtual high five there to Andrew. But like, I think it works relatively well in this in this context, the idea of jazz as a metaphor for life and therefore tying the themes together see themes because it's a movie about music mm-hmm. uh-huh. um. <laughs> did anyone get a feeling of meet joe black when joe was about to die did you ever get like it wasn't as that? funny <laughs> no it wasn't as, as, as funny but like like did you get that that was just like when he's continually like when he's just saying all these things ah i could die like that was yeah, the most obvious and and cliche ridden thing Pixar but, ever I done do, but I the, the movie is terrifying. called soul but the movie's called soul graham that doesn't mean like, anything and the trailer <laughs> We have a objectifying tra- slapstick. Just because, wait. So hold on. So every Pixar film, their fi- their films are perfectly explained. Like the whole premise is explained in the one sentence. No, but I'm saying it's the first ten minutes of the movie. It's given that like the, it's not like the cat thing that was hidden in the trailers. <laughs> like the trailers did not reveal the cat thing. The trailers revealed that Soul was going to be a movie about Joe becoming a ghost and trying to get back to the world. So I so, didn't even know that because yeah, I, didn't I, see I, the like, the thing is, I stayed away from trailers for this, so I yeah. actually didn't know either. Can I? Can I, I, I would say add, that by I, the way. Oh, sorry. No, just oh, no, no. just while you're talking about the trailer, because that was one of one of the last things I was going to bring up was just can we stop Avengers and gaming trailers and like misleading and not giving like basic information? Because it what really another thing that irked me about this was <laughs> it started for me, it became more story driven than character driven and character driven is really important to me. You know, it it became more about the story and the twist when it's like it's not meant to be that it's meant it's about it's meant to be about like what happens to these characters and what they learn. And I got distracted because I was like, <laughs> why is, he why a cat? is there a cat? <laughs> <laughs> so, because we yeah. didn't have a dog that day. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with people on the cat thing. I When that happened, I thought that was going to be resolved very quickly. Not take up yeah. a sizable portion of that time. Exactly. I will say as well that I, I quite like Moonwind. I, and, and, and I think for... for, for um, Consider it like... like the, this might be Graham Norton's first movie, is it? Uh, no, um, he did um, the Eurovision Song Contrast story, the Fire yeah, Saga. Well, that, play, yeah, playing yeah. kind of playing That's himself. Like That's like, yeah, yeah. Um, is it? Or, it is, yeah. yeah, I imagine he's playing himself. Yes, yes, but he's playing. The, and, and this is kind of like, um, he's not playing kind of against type or anything. But he doesn't um, really have a type, to be fair, in, in like for American audiences, I would argue. Right, right, right. Yeah. But um, no, I enjoyed him. Um, I yeah, I, 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 found, I found that kind of in, in enjoyable, whimsical kind of um, uh, portion of the movie. I kind of needed it, I think, <laughs> at, that, at, at yeah. that point. 
like the mo- I think the biggest laugh it got out of me, and it's the most cliche joke imaginable, is the moment after Joe ends up in the cat, where Moonwind just kind of like drops the scepter, turns around and starts whistling to himself as he walks away from the scene of the crime. And again, it's very much like the most obvious joke you could make in that situation, but I laughed. I will admit that I laughed at it. Um, and, and sorry, uh, so D, uh, Graham, anything else you want to talk about? Anything we haven't discussed already, just to wrap it all? You know, kind of put I'm all- just after remembering another Another sequence I loved in it which again I'm sorry to compare it to Inside Out but there are a lot of parallels here um, but the depression sequence with 22 I thought that that was really really powerful actually and really kind of uh, beautifully designed and it fit in with the design of kind of the world that we'd seen so far and stuff I like continuity that way but um, no it was really beautifully done and it's interesting because even though they were dealing with a kind of similar storyline to what happens with Riley in that she becomes depressed and you see like the kind of mood everything rocks, whatever you yeah. call it go black and like there's a complete disconnect from her emotions. This was dealing with something very similar that happened to 22, but in a completely visually distinct way. Um, and and again, it just like emphasized again how much of a dick Joe is because you hear <laughs> what he said to her. Yeah. Played back. back. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, oh my God, why did you say that? Like, that's horrible, you know? Yeah. I, okay, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna stand up and say I quite liked how much of a dick Joe was in that. Like, I feel like you know, children's movies are generally a bit shy in allowing their like characters to be actual dicks and be called on it. Mm. And that I feel like Joe does actually get called on it. Um, I will that that sequence I love because it literally internalizes um like mm-hmm. 22's breakdown because it's literally inside of her that it's happening. Um, and I like that like. I, the, again, this is the thing where it's very writerly or it's very meta. It's perhaps a little bit too uh, like self-aware. But I love the idea that, you know, the idea of becoming a lost soul is beco- you becoming obsessed with something that is your purpose. And I love that 22's obsession becomes finding her purpose. So she's obsessed with finding or finding the thing that would otherwise turn into an obsession, mm. which I find very, very clever um, in terms of kind of structure or kind of symmetry or mirroring. Ooh, well. and another thing, the fact that it ends with the kind of leaf, that's kind of yeah. a reference to like, uh, you know, like mindfulness exercises, how they get you to touch an object or to like touch a part of your palm to kind of almost get you out of your head and back into the moment. I thought that that was a really interesting kind of um, story device that they used as well. Yeah. Very well done. Yeah. Um. And okay, finally then, before we wrap up then, obligatory 250 tropes, uh, because I know that we love Strictly Formula here. Um, oh is- yes, yeah, being, 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 being uh, born in another um, uh, a body, fi- fi- find- finding that you've come back from death. It's a RoboCop reference. It is a RoboCop <laughs> reference, of course it is. It's, this could be an Easter movie in the same way that RoboCop is arguably an Easter movie. Um, and I do, inter- I, sorry, I, I just want to quickly apologize because my my phone went off there and you might have heard it a few times in the podcast and just to contextualize <laughs> see i'm meant to be unwrapping christmas presents with my family tonight oh so sugar soon. okay well then no no, we'll, no but it's okay because we're wrapping up anyway so it's are, fine i told uh, them that we'll be finished so, by nine so, so you, all good. you, yeah, you can wrap up we'll wrap up and then you'll unwrap all right cool very very quickly then um, <laughs> inappropriate smoking uh when the house is burning down and 22 is like you know 
I like the fire. Sometimes That's I just great. want to watch it burn That's again in terms scene. of Yeah, why, why can't that be? Her um, spark, her uh, literal her, spark. Yeah, like why does it have to be something that the mentor has <laughs> wanted it to be? Why can't it be something evil? Well, well that, that's, that, that's why... Because you have the sociopath exa- one. You have the sociopath soul that, a few that, minutes ago. That's the example of Joe being an asshole again, Andrew. He just won't yeah. let her have that spark. All right, then. I think that about wraps it up. Unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Anything that we haven't discussed already. Um... All right, then. So what we do at the end of the podcast, very quickly, is we ask our guests to recommend something, something you're enjoying at the moment, something that you think listeners might enjoy. So uh, to give Dee and uh, Graham a chance, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first. Um, In terms of jazz, I quite like um, Cornbread, the album by Lee Morgan. There's also a a, um, Thelonious Monk and John Coltrane in Carnegie Hall that was lost for like 50 years and was found. Um, That's quite good. So you would um, go term- so far as say the Coltrane has arrived? Hey, yes. At the radio yeah. station? Yeah, did, did, um, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, no. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, in, ter- in terms of things on, great bonds, Darren. Thank you. <laughs> in, in terms of things on Disney Plus, um, I, 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 I liked Earth to Ned a bit, but it was kind of like only okay. Something I really, I mean, I, the reason I liked it was because it was kind of my sort of thing, because it was that sort of fake talk show. Um, <laughs> and there was a lot of people that I enjoy in it. Um, Muppets. I, 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 I watched Muppets. I thought that was a great example of like an actual family movie where I, I, I feel like you could keep kind of all the kind of quadrants entertained, um, uh, entertained watching it, including myself. Um, so I, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend that. Um, okay. It also has a, a, a villain singing about how he's a villain. <laughs> um, and, for, for that yeah, Coco, yeah. sweet Coco stuff. Um, exactly. And in, 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 yeah, actually, that's, that's it. I'll, I'll stop there. All right. And Dee, what would you recommend for listeners? I am going to recommend, uh, sorry, not related to Soul, but um, a TV series and a movie. Uh, TV series wise, I've been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime and I am obsessed. <laughs> so, so good. I mean, it's like absolutely insane. I'm on episode six of season two. So I'm nearly finished. Oh, nice. Just making me really sad. And by the way, it's so funny because loads of people were telling me season two is better than season one but so far i've found it just like consistently good like maybe people don't remember how good season one is but it's just like my fiance and i like we just we're just watching it like as soon as work (laughs) finishes put it on the tv like over the last two nights we've completely binged through but it's it's just brilliant obviously not if you don't like you know it it is very very it's very violent it is very violent, but it's also very funny, very sharp and just absolutely like there's always like a new little mystery that unravels and you're mm. like, ah, how to know what happens next? Just so good. Um, and then movie wise, Promising Young Woman. I saw this last year. Unfortunately, it was one of many movies that have been um, postponed due to COVID. I saw today that apparently it's getting an on-demand release mid-January which I hope is the same case for Ireland and the UK Mm. but for anyone you know based in America who can get access to it this movie just completely blew my mind when I saw it last year like it really really will shake you up and that's coming from me as like a female viewer but I think for guys as well like and I hate using that word important with movies but I do think it's a really important movie but it's also just 
brilliant and so entertaining and just like mind blowing. It really is. Yeah. Um, so they'd be my two. Yes. Um, and Graham, what would you recommend? Um, I'm going to see if I can go for a soul style thing. So book wise, I am about to read uh, Rhythm of War, which is the third book in or fourth. I can't remember so many books um, of the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson, which is a part of the bigger thing, bigger co- uh, con- collection of Cosmere books, which includes Mistborn, Elantris and all that. And it centers around like gods and spirituality and the various layers uh, that humanity, I suppose you can call them, lives in. And it's this big, massive, epic war that's, you know, taking place across planets and, you know, universes and that. And I highly recommend starting it. Don't go to the book I'm at, Rhythm of War. Start with Oathbreaker? Yes, we'll go with that one. Um, uh, I'm watching, as an anime, I'm watching Jujutsu Kaisen, which is about a teenager who eats the soul of a demon to try and stop the demon from coming out. And instead, he becomes the vessel of the demon. And now he's kind of a detective who's learning to become a super soldier uh, with demonic powers. And it's a lot of fun. And then Bridgerton, because that's just weird. (gasps) It's so good. It's so good. I finished like me and Breed watched um, four episodes in one night. We watched it. We started at 12 at night. Just said, (laughs) why don't we see what it's like? Why don't we see what it's like? And then at four in the morning, we were like, oh, we should stop watching Bridgerton. (laughs) Uh, luckily I didn't have any work the next day and we finished it in two days <laughs> it's it's like it's it's a mad mad show but I will say this do not watch episode six with a relative because I know a friend who did and she watched it with her over 70s parents yeah see Netflix made the mistake of dropping it on Christmas day because everyone yeah. immediately thinks oh clearly this is okay for Family. families it yeah. is filthy it's the new my- Downton Abbey. No, it's the new Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, it's the new Downtown Abbey, if you catch my meaning. Yes. Um, uh, but, it's all people who watch the show. But um, yeah, I think my favorite detail about Bridgerton is the intimacy car- The intimacy expert basically saying the biggest problem they had was that the beds were too small. That was the most difficult problem they had choreographing sex scenes. The actors were constantly rolling each other <laughs> off the beds because they weren't used to how small uh, they were. To be fair, the first one, the first sex scene you see is beside a tree, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, well, you can't be. Anyway. Um, I don't know. Like, my parents are freaks. <laughs> I'd be enjoying it. No, no, All right, and. Bring it on. So it's British and soul related then. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's hey, it's a great show. It is. I, I, I thought that was Graham's point. It's like um, related to soul because neither of them are for kids. Um, <laughs> yes. Because if you've gone to this part and you know, you're a kid, you're probably not listening anymore because oh. you know, we've gotten to, you know. All right. And, and a couple of quick recommendations <laughs> uh, very quickly myself. Uh, second D's recommendation, Promising Young Woman. I got a screener and I watched it with my family over Christmas, uh, which was an interesting experience. Um, again, nobody knew what to make of it, which I think is fantastic when you have a film and nobody knows quite what they made of it as soon as the credits roll and you have to let it sit with you. Um, In terms of animation... Um, this movie is going to be probably the only major Oscar contender that we're covering on the podcast this year. Um, uh, but it's other big contender Wolf in terms Walker's of boo. that's 
Okay, that's exactly what I was about to say. Thank you, Graham. I was about to recommend, actually, uh, Wolf Walkers. Because, you know, we mentioned earlier that, like, part of the problem is the Pete Doctor has so many Oscars now. He's just like, well, what do I do next? Um, But, yeah, Wolf Walkers is available on Apple TV Plus and is very, very worth your time. It's an Irish animation. It is superb. It has a very good chance of taking home the Best Animated Feature Oscar this year. So if you have Apple Apple TV Plus and you like animation, I would wholeheartedly recommend that. All right, then. So very quickly before we wrap up, uh, Graham, where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at GameAir, uh, scanon.com, um, movies.ie, and The Escapist. Uh, and D, where can we find you? I am on Twitter at Deirdre Malumby. That's D-E-I-R-D-R-E-M-O-L-U-M-B-Y. And I'm also on... <laughs> Graham did a little dance there. I did. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm also on entertainment.ie writing... To be honest, mostly on-demand reviews rather than movie reviews at the moment. But, you know, here's hoping and like news and stuff. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we need to get that HBO Max subscription set up. Oh, That's we so plan. do. Um, hour, Justice League. All right. All right. Anyway, so yes, you can follow the podcast at Atha250. You can find us online at Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes, wherever good podcasts are found. We'll be back next week where the wonderful uh, Andrew Max Tolin will be joining us for a discussion of Sherlock Jr., which is Buster Keating's 1924 movie, I think. You can find it online. You can watch it for free because it's in the public domain. Um, if you get a chance, just I'm going to recommend it now. I'm going to say go out and watch it beforehand. It's only 45 minutes long. Um, so we wholeheartedly recommend that. All right. Take it easy, guys. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for your time, Graham and and uh, good luck on wrapping presents. Merry Thank second you so Christmas much. to I'm you. Wrapping this wrap. <laughs> I don't have any uh, presents. Uh-huh. And if you listen to the end of uh, end of sort of soul, you can listen to David Deeds rap. So I mean, hey, it all balances out. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>